Welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibble, known to my friends as Marv. And first of all, I have a co-host for this show, a very good friend of mine from Two Legs, Paul McCartney podcast, Andy, Andy Nichols. Hey, Andy, thanks for joining me today. Oh, no, thanks for setting it up, uh, Martin, and a uh, longtime follower and, and friend of our show, Two Legs, uh, which I've been a part of for five, nearly five years now. The show's been running for about nine, and uh, Martin's always been a big loyal fan and uh, fellow progger at heart, which is why he asked me to come on here, because when, whenever I can deviate from uh, Paul talk and get get a little <laughs> genesis or yes into the show, I always do that, much to the dismay of my co-host, but he tolerates <laughs> it anyway. So, but yeah, that's good. Good to be on and and to talk to two guys that have been doing a podcast that I've been following for a long time and uh, really excited to hear about how they came about it. Well, well, and Andy, for anybody interested, Andy is one of the original people who really was like a, um, he helped me to get this show started and was almost like a, like a, you know, somebody who pushed me and sort of like gave me advice starting the show. So it's sort of like a thank you to that as well. Oh, my pleasure. And that was about, what, three, four years ago now? Three and a half years. Crazy. Wow. Wow. Interesting. I, I think I've seen, yeah. I think I've seen Steve Hackett about eight times in that time span. <laughs> he, <laughs> he does, does like his, to tour, yes. He does <laughs> like to tour, boy. Let me tell you. Woo. Oh, I'm looking forward to Steve's new album. Same here. And and, and yes. cranking out new albums like every, like just every year. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It seems like. Yeah. We'll probably get into that as well, I would have thought, in the show. I'm sure. Me and Andy are chatting with, from the show Tabletop Genesis, Mike Lord and Tom Roche. Hey, guys, thanks for speaking today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, looking forward to this. Yeah, it's definitely, I know we've kind of chatted on and off for a while about trying to do this. And finally, it was like, all right, let's get, let's do it. Let's get it done and everything. So in a good way, not in a, you know, not in a, oh, we got to do this. It's more like, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to go on other people's podcasts and we don't have to think about it. We don't <laughs> so, have to do any homework. We don't have exactly, to do any research. You know, <laughs> yeah. We're all good. No editing. Exactly. Nope. Yes. <laughs> the best thing about it. So. <laughs> Actually, the first time we started uh, thinking about this, it's it's changed, and this sort of like touches on the first uh, first point, really, which is when we first started talking, there was there were five of you essentially, yes. mm. and so yeah. so how was how was the show started, and what actually was the original inspiration to starting the idea? Sure. I I could uh, I can talk about this. It is. It's an interesting story because back in the day, the five of us were all friends and everything. And yeah. it was actually uh, two couples, myself and Ellie and uh, Stacy and Simon, and then Tom as the fifth person um, who, has a, who has a lovely wife, but <laughs> is not a huge Genesis fan, I would say. Um, and there was at one point, probably back in early 2015, right around when the some of the parts documentary came out, the BBC documentary about the career of Genesis and Stacy and Simon had come up to visit um, Ellie and I, we were living in Jersey city at the time. 
And we were had watched the documentary and we were talking about Genesis because, again, being Genesis fans, that's what we did. And Simon, who's also a musician, kind of said, hey, you know, we should do a podcast about Genesis and we should get Tom involved. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And <laughs> and literally, I think the next week, Simon was like, oh, I talked to a friend of mine in England who has this Proxilla uh, kind of podcast radio network type of thing. And we can be on their network and everything. And that'll cover the music license and everything. I'm like, oh, all right, whatever. And he's like, so come on down and we'll record something. And it was like, okay. And we, the it was at that point, Ellie wasn't available. The four of us got together, uh, myself, Tom, Stacy, and Simon. And we recorded what I thought was going to be a test episode of doing Abacab. Yeah. And... I was like, and it worked out great. I thought it's it flowed pretty well, the conversation. And the next thing I, I thought, like, oh, now we can do a real episode at some point. And the next thing I know, Simon was like, oh, I've edited it and sent it off to Prodzilla, and that's our first episode. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow, that happened a lot faster than I thought. And maybe that just goes to show how little thought we've put into things over time. But but that's basically how it started. It was friends who enjoyed talking about the band in the first place and somebody just saying, hey, we we should talk about this. We should. And my thing was always like, if we get 20 people to listen to us, that's a success. And and it's again, our numbers, I think, are probably between two and 3000 per episode. And I'm just like, yeah, that's pretty solid. That's, that's more people than I would have ever imagined would have listened to the podcast. So it's been, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Looking back, I haven't listened to that first episode. I'm sure it's very <laughs> rough compared to, you know, as you, as you know, as you, as you go on and you build up episodes, you get a little more refined and you say, well, we <clears> should do this differently. Uh, and it was kind of like a, just when the, five of us or the four of us, however many there were, would get together. It was almost like a, how long can we go without the conversation going back to Genesis? And we didn't really make it that far. And I think that's when Simon got the <laughs> idea. Well, so, you know, why don't we just record this? Yeah. And I don't know who came up with the name. It might've been Mike. I don't know, but I think it was just as basic as we're all sitting around a table yeah. talking about Genesis what's this called tabletop genesis it yeah. hadn't been taken as far as i know there, there was a board game podcast or something or other that used the name but it didn't look like they were active so we kind of just stole the name i no, think at that point it was a catchy name i remember <laughs> yeah. like looking yeah. up when i was looking up for like genesis podcast to listen yeah. to you guys were the first one they come up and i'm like tabletop genesis that's pretty catchy let me check these yeah. guys out and at the time, I think we might have been the first slash only Genesis podcast yes. around. There's yep. there's a couple more since then, but I I don't think you that guys there were, were definitely any the, before. You us. were the first because I really okay. I would like search. It would do the search results. I'd look for Genesis. Yeah, and it would just be you guys, and that was yeah. it. I did the same. We yeah. might have even just doing done a cursory search, like, well, is anybody already doing this? And yeah, we didn't see anybody who was kind of. You know, maybe they were talking about progressive rock and as a whole or right. anything, but no, no one was really focusing strictly on Genesis or, you know, involving Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, right. et cetera, the solo work. So we figured, man, let's let's give it a shot. Yeah. And that's always been kind of our, our modus operandi, where I think like 
you know, even in that first episode, the one thing I remember, because I, I certainly haven't listened to that Abitab episode in years, but I remember listening to it again at some point and right within the first three minutes, it felt like Tom said something and I made some joke or commented on something Tom said. And it was, it was a laugh thing. It was like, we, ne we, from the very beginning, we never wanted to take ourselves super seriously mm. or treat ourselves as experts in the field. I think we certainly know a lot about the band because we've read a lot and kind of gone to shows. And, you know, again, people say, are you, are you a fan of the band? And I'm like, well, I do do a podcast. I think that yeah. that says, that's <laughs> says something right there, but it's like, but it's always been with that sense of fun and just being a bunch of friends hanging around and talking about the band. And I remember somebody, a, a friend of ours who is a fan of the band who listened to the podcast said, this sound like I want to be part of this conversation. It sounds like I'm listening to my friends talk about something. And I'm like, that's the vibe we're going for. So I think that's where it's it really works out well. Yeah, I mean, it's a band that I mean that, uh, or a subject that really works for for it. And I mean, like like you said, I mean, when when you when you talk, it is just like buddies sat together, almost like you sat together in between. You know, going and watching a. You know, when we all get to watch bands or whatever, and and then you'll yeah. then you'll be between the bands, and between the between chat between you will be. Oh, have you checked this out by this band? Oh, yeah, right. I tried that. And then you have that chat, and it, it just sounds like it's just that you've caught up with somebody and you're chatting about this thing that just that you're really excited for, in a yeah. sense. But I think it works for a band like this because, in a sense, it's 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 one of those rarities where you've got a band, but so you've got these different eras of the band where they're doing different things during the career. So they'll have this period, that period, that period, and then this. But also another interesting thing that I find and I've found in my own listing is when you have one form of jealous Genesis, the, 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 the Collins era, say around the era of say, in, you know, Invisible Touch is probably the famous era where you'll do the comparison between Invisible Touch and then you've got Peter's So album, sort yeah. of around similar era. And then you look at what Steve's doing at that at that time, Steve Hackett and Anthony as well with all his work. And you sort of almost see where their individual talents actually worked as a part of Genesis. But also, you also see the similarities and what actually made them work so well together as well at the same time. Yeah, I think that's what I used to refer to that as kind of like the Rosetta Stone of the band. Like it, you saw how they progressed as a band. Uh, and again, a lot of the things back then were credited to the band. So you weren't really sure like who brought what to what part of the song. Obviously, once Peter left, they started doing individual credits. Mm. And then even when they did solo stuff, once you got the solo stuff, you'd be like, oh, that's what Tony brought to the to these earlier tracks. Or that's, you know, that's a mic track, even though you, it might have been credited to the whole band. Once you see, saw them go off and explore their solo stuff, it was easy then to recognize when everything was credited to the band, what who brought what. And along with the different eras of Genesis, another thing that I think helped us a lot was that we're fans of everything. Yeah. So we appreciate every era from, we're not just... Peter people, we're not just Phil people. Obviously, we have different 
preferences in different songs and even in different eras we have different things that we like or dislike but the fact that we weren't only focusing on the gabriel era or the collins era or you know as a small pack podcast might focus on the wilson era uh, (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't just that so i think hopefully the listeners also appreciate that because they're not they know they're not going to get left out if they love invisible touch or if they only love nursery crime you think you fellows do it the right way. You got to cover all the errors. If you're going to do a podcast on Genesis from the beginning to the end and all the various incarnations of it, you know, imagine, I think it'd be a lot harder if you had to do a yes podcast, <laughs> <laughs> a lot more people to keep track of. That's yeah, for sure. So. But I mean, you, you guys did it the right way. Um, one question I have for you guys is you've been around since 2015, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your, um, I guess, schedule. I mean, I, you know, cause I see you guys do, you know, about what, six or seven shows a year on the average. We, I mean, what, how does that, what, what determines yeah, that, that with you that's guys? Probably on average about right. I think that's, especially since it's kind of, you know, become more selective with Tom and myself is that we are trying to do monthly and does that always work out? No, it doesn't like it. Like we're trying to get together to do kind of a recording this month with Stacy actually for a Phil Collins album. And we were talking about doing it this coming Saturday, but now it might actually shift to after I'm traveling next week. And so it might actually shift to after that. And so will that get out in January? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But we're I, I would like to do one a month. And that then gives us the flexibility of like eh, during the summertime, if we skip a month, it's not the end of the world. So I would, I would aim for kind of between 10 and 12 a year. If it was kind of in my kind of decision-making process, it was, it was harder with five of us, especially with Stacey and Simon's schedules, just trying to do it. And we would sometimes when we would get together with them, we would do two or maybe at the, I think maybe once we did three episodes in one day. Um, and that was tiring, but it was also, we would try to bank episodes. Right. Just bank them and can use them later. Yeah. 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 And part of it was we never did remote recording until COVID. So we did the first five years, four and a half years, whatever it was, where we met in person and actually literally sat around the table. And that's how we did it because that's how we thought we had to do it. Yeah. And then because of COVID. Yeah, I think we were very against doing any type of Zoom stuff. So I think because we all loved the, the, the main thing was getting together to have fun. Yeah. And recording was kind of secondary. Yeah. So right. It was an excuse to hang out yeah. with friends. Yeah. 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 That's, and then that's since, hip. Yeah. Since COVID, we've, you know, obviously moved to, you know, remote recording, which has made it a lot easier to do more frequent recordings. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll have guests here and it makes it easier to have guests. Yeah. Um, occasionally we've gotten together with, you know, in person to record because that's our yeah. preference, but obviously schedules don't always allow for that, but yeah, schedules and geography are kind of the, the big problems there. And even Tom and I are probably half hour drive from each other, but we, even if it's just the two of us, it'll be just like, Hey, let's do this Peter Gabriel new song, you know, at seven o'clock tonight type of thing. Mm. And it just makes it easier to do those kind of quick and dirty episodes too, which, which especially this past year with the new Peter Gabriel tracks once a month, it, kind of allowed us a focus for this past year to kind of definitely get an episode out each month and was really kind of nice to do that. Yeah. 
This is Mac Jackson from the Forever Adventure Network, the home of the MacGyver podcast, the Never Gets Old podcast, and the MacGyver SG-1 audio series. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. Hey, it's Rena, host of the Better Call Daddy show, where I interview guests, share the stories with my dad, and then he weighs in. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. What what do you think of that promotional um, technique that Pete used with the, with, <laughs> with with that with like, you know you know like that slow delivery of an, an album sort of a song per month and building up to the album release? It, I look at it as a nice, fun experiment to try once. I would prefer I because I love the experience of getting an album and maybe not knowing. 90% of it, maybe you've heard a song, a singer or so, but then you get the album, you go into a quiet room at night, put on headphones, and you go into that exploration of an hour long music. And that's what I love about it, um, which I've done with a number of new albums that came out last year that, that I hadn't heard a note of. And it's such a better experience. Um, having said that, I do love listening to IO as a whole album. Yeah as opposed to the individual tracks yeah. throughout the year. Yeah. It hangs together a lot better yeah. as an album. It's a beautiful I was, flow. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked the month-to-month thing because I kind of liked the mystery of it, but it was, it it did stretch it out in, in for good and ill. You know, I could see why people don't like it. But to me, now that it's done with, it's like, well, now we have the album. And so that's, this is now going to be for, you know, the rest of my life, this is going to be the listening experience that I now have for it. So it was fun to have that year long, Hey, here's a new track a month, but, but I am glad now that I can just put the album on whenever I want to. And I don't think I wouldn't want Peter to do the same thing for whatever his next album would be. So I think well, that, that's, that's a pretty yeah, lofty, exactly. I don't know if we're going to get another <laughs> right. one now. Very true. So, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, it's, I enjoyed it for what it was. And I, because I thought it was a different way of doing things. And I really liked the idea, especially early on where there, there wasn't even like, Oh, and there will be an album at the end of this. It was almost like, well, is this, is, is he even going to put out, a real album or is just this online release going to be it because I'm a big believer in saying as, as is Peter probably in shaking things up a bit and kind of saying, well, he's, he's 70 some years old now. Does he need to put out an album and chart and even think about those type of things nowadays? Because it's not, it's not like all of a sudden there's going to be, you know, bunch of teenagers buying the new peter gabriel album now teenagers don't even buy albums anymore it's it's people like us who do so you know it's it's kind of it's a it's a new world and so i'm glad that peter tried something different and next time i hope he does something different that isn't what he just did before but but pete (laughs) has always been um experimental in the arts Anyway, right. even from from day one, essentially, he was always the one who was trying to sort of say, "Now, what if I try this this way?" And he's, it's not just about his music; it's about video, it's yeah. about releasing, and how he even down probably he probably experiments with different 
running orders, possibly even with his albums, mm. I would have thought, is that sort of person. And and I've always thought, going on another thing, that I've on another tangent-ish, I've always thought that that's why Phil probably got involved, in a sense, with Melt, in a way, because, because of the experimental side of that. And Phil, mm. you know, as much as he's seen as this sort of person, you know, he's seen as this type of Genesis or whatever, this is who Phil is. There's always been that experimental side to Phil, yep. but it's usually when he's with other people, like the work that he's done with Pete and the work that he's done with Brian Eno and, yep. the, and the brand X material. Yeah, I think that Phil is a much more experimental musician than people give him credit for, especially in that 70s and early 80s time frame before he became, quote unquote, Phil Collins. Yeah. And probably had a bit more freedom to do kind of the weirder stuff that he could do. And so that's, you know, you get the Phil Collins career of the solo albums, but then you kind of stop getting the weird Phil stuff that he would just kind of show up with his drums and be like, sure, I could play on that track. Oh, you need me to do this? Sure, I'll do that. You know, playing on Robert Fripp's Exposure was one yeah. of those things in 77 and 78 that was like, oh, that's Fripp, uh, that's Phil Collins doing, just diving into really pretty dense material and kind of just finding his way in it because he was that drummer who could do it. I mean, it's, I mean, there's, there's that thing that, uh, that Nick was saying that when he was, when he was doing the drums, he was saying when they were leading up to doing the Genesis concerts with Nick on drums, he was saying that he was really looking forward to do the Genesis stuff because he was saying that the drumming that was more on the experimental side rather than what was on his dad's music. And he, he, he shouted out the, the, the Genesis seventies era is one of his favorites. Nick did. And, and what his dad was doing on drums. And also, I think he pointed out what his dad was doing with Brand X as well. And like you said, all the experimental stuff. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I think he, what he did is he he got his chops touring with Phil solo. Yeah. He was able to then increase on that with touring with Genesis so that he was able to then tour with Mike and the Mechanics, which is, you know, drumming that you just can't even. <laughs> the pinnacle. It's the pinnacle, the pinnacle. of the drums there. So. <laughs> did, uh... <laughs> Did you guys have a chance to see um, the final Genesis tour when it hit the, our area? I in- I saw I saw a total of seven shows. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, wow. four in the U.S. and I was at the three final shows at the U.S. Oh, you went over game. there! Wow. Yeah. So that's uh, you know that it was a great experience. And oh my it was, god! How about you, Tom? I saw Philly, and then twice in New York. Okay, you went to uh, both New York shows. Yeah. I went to both yeah. New York shows. Yeah. I spent my wad on the 2007 <laughs> tour because I think yeah. that's when I thought it was going to be the last. I saw that eight times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I only saw that one two times. I could I could have set up a camp bed for you, Mike, if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's those UK shows were were a blast, and I know I, I did put out there that I was that I was over there. And I remember at some point, somebody walked by me at the O2 who's just like, Mike, put it on top Genesis. I was like, hey, what's up? And I just was, I was with some other people. So I just was passing by, but it was, it was great. It was, he pulled well, out a here, gun. here, I'll tell you a little bit of a story here with that is that I was, I'm friends with some of the management people. And I basically was helping out with some of the guest ticket list stuff. And I have actually, do I have it right? Do I have it here? 
I have, I'm showing this on camera now. I have my. Oh, last, okay. The last domino it. I'm sure for the listeners, because this is a oral medium. Uh, it goes out on video as well. And, oh, great. So I have an access all areas pass that, um, that I was able to have. And those things work. I'll tell you that much. And it was just like, it was a lot of, it, it was great to be able to be a little bit behind the scenes with things and just be able to have that experience and, and help out and be able to be there for those final shows and to kind of have those moments kind of at the, you know, at, at the gigs, both enjoy it as just a fan and just to be like, I never thought when I was a fan of this band in high school that I would end up you know, being able to meet some of these people and kind of go to these final shows and kind of be around and everything. And and I mean, Tom and I have got to sit down with Steve Hackett and interview him. And we've done interviews uh, for the podcast with things. And it's great to be able to have these experiences oh, that are yeah. different yeah. than, you know, what you would expect. So just as, you know, as a kid from New Jersey, you don't think like, oh, I'm going to be standing on the side of the stead, stage behind where Tony Banks is is playing and watch the show from that perspective. I'm yeah, like, oh, so, that's that's messed up. <laughs> so I, You guys have been fortunate enough to interview just about everybody in Genesis with the except for the singers, except yeah, for the two singers. We, right. We got <laughs> to get them at some point. Yeah. You know, it's it's I would love to be able to get Peter. I'd love to be able to get Phil don't know if it's ever going to happen just because of their level of of fame yeah. and whether they would do a podcast or not i could see peter maybe peter, doing it peter would I, do it possibly yeah. yeah and i did i will i'll tell this story too uh peter was going doing a book signing back god last year at some point i mean i met him i met him at oh, that was I, it the reverberation reverber at the strand yes. Yes, I, I was I, there I, too. I was there too. Yeah, yep. I was there and, as well. <laughs> and when I got up to get him to sign to sign the book, and I know they said that you couldn't sign they that you wouldn't sign anything else. And I had other stuff for him to sign. Other people were getting him to sign stuff, but I held back because I listened you, to the rules. Because you weren't allowed to bring anything else. <laughs> right, it was just the book. Right. right. But people did stuff, and I was just like, ah, but I was. I gave him a tabletop Genesis card and said, Hey, some friends of mine and I do this podcast about Genesis and the associated solo careers. Here's a <laughs> card for it. If you ever want to give a listen, we'd love to have you on. And he kind of, Oh, great. And he put it in his pocket. And then I walked away and I'm like, he will never remember that conversation <laughs> again. But hey, you've made the effort. You, yes, you made the effort. And I, tried. I, I've made the outreach at, yes. I think when the sting and Peter Gabriel show was happening, I reached out to their management, Peter's get management and said, Hey, we do a podcast. If he's on tour and wants to do any interviews, it'd be great to do talk to him. And they just said he's not doing interviews during the tour. And I said, fair enough. So, you know, maybe I'll try it at some point again. Tom's going to London later this year. Maybe we can uh maybe Tom can badger them too and we'll get we'll finally get Peter on 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 record. So I'll do my best. Yes. So, security with the Tuscan. Yes. <laughs> Mission accepted. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, all, all the guests that you have, all the members of the band, I know you interviewed Richard McPhail too. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. Who was the most accessible and easiest one to talk to? Hmm. Out, of every day, out of the core members. Yeah, of the sure. You know, it's funny, like the first Aunt Phillips kind of uh, popped into my head as just being the friendliest. I mean, they were all friendly. The great thing about the Genesis people is that having got to meet a number of them kind of personally, 
is that they've they're all really nice guys. You know, it's mm. like they always say you always say don't meet your heroes and I'm like meet your heroes because they they I'd rather them even if you have a bad experience at least then you know, but I haven't had a bad experience and it was just uh, it was when Ellie and I were still together, we went to his house in London and he had us over, he made tea for us, we chatted about Monty Python and all this stuff and it was just like he was just a really nice guy. And like I kind of he's been able to kind of carve out a career in music for himself yeah. without being world famous or anything like that or ret mobbed on the street where he kind of has his studio. He has his library music. He has his solo albums that he does. And I'm like, that's you know, he's he's done fine. He, he's he's lived his life and hasn't had a day hasn't had a quote unquote day job. And he's been able to be an artist for his entire life. And I'm like, that's winning as far as I'm oh. concerned in the music business. Um, Tony Banks was totally fantastic too. You know, well, I interviewed him out at the farm and took the train wow. out of London to do that and was, you know, his got into the farm. He showed up a few minutes later and sat down with my laptop and the microphones. And we talked for an hour about his solo career. And here's the funny story about this. <laughs> I, I, brought a number of things for him to sign and he very politely signed everything. And then at the end, I had taken the train out there and the train's about maybe a 10 minute, 15 minute ride from getting to the farm, the studios from the train station. And he's like, Oh, he's like, how are you getting back to the train? And I said, well, is there a phone number for a taxi company that I took a taxi out here? I forgot. I forgot to get the phone number for the taxi when I was coming out here. He's like, ah, he's like, I don't know. He's like, and he kind of was like, thinking about things. He's like, I can drive you to the, to the train station. And I was like, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> and we get into his car and it's again, a 10 minute drive. And first I'm like, well, what am I going to, I'm just going to have to chat with Tony Banks now. It's like, and we talked about, it was a June in 2018, I think it was. And it was just like, oh, we chatted about, you know, travel and, you know, just, you know, like I said, I grew up on the Jersey shore and he's like, Jersey shore. He's like, do you like to swim? And I'm like, yeah, I'm afraid I enjoy the water. Drove by the ocean. He's like, and he kind of shakes his head. He's like, I sink like a rock as soon as I go in the water. He's like, my, my wife, my wife loves the, the water. He's like, but I just can't do it. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, learn something about Tony Banks and everything. It was just a, a nice casual conversation. And when he got to the, to, to the train station, I said, thank you very much. He's looking at me, had these sunglasses on. And I was just like, I'm getting that intense Tony Banks stare through these sunglasses right now and I better go. <laughs> so, but he was just, he was a really nice guy to chat with. And I think that, you know, I'd love to chat with him again about a variety of stuff, you know, because I think that he's very, he's very thorough in his answers and they're all great guys. So I think yeah, that, and that how, how, how humble is that? Or these guys yeah. invite you into their homes to have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I know what you say like don't meet your heroes because but they don't um you know they don't suffer fools gladly, which is nice. Yeah. They're just very humble guys. Yeah. Well, it's also I think when for people like Tom and I, when we sit down with Steve Hackett or Tony Banks or whatever, again, we're I don't want to say we're experts on stuff, but we've listened and have read enough interviews with Tony, with Steve, with Phil, or you know, all these people that it's like if they start going on autopilot with their answers, you kind of can not necessarily knock them off, but kind of like 
kind of push him in a little bit of a different direction. Like I remember with Tony, I think we were talking about a curious feeling and he started giving an answer about something that I had heard before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, oh, but in the song, you, you write this lyric. That's really a very kind of passionate love lyric. And people said that you guys couldn't write love lyrics. And this was before Phil even did his stuff. And then he starts talking about that. And I'm like, I've never heard him talk about this before. So it's like, you know, if you have that kind of stuff in your head where you can go, oh, I kind of heard this before. Let me try to get something else out of him or ask a little bit more of a specific question to draw out the general stuff. That's that's what we can do. So that's and that's what we try to do. And we try to have it be very like the podcast. We try to have it be very conversational. And if we could get some laughs in there, too, that's that's even better. And we don't want to, We also kind of want to show them that we know we're not just noobs at them and like steve what was <laughs> right. it like playing firth or fifth like no <laughs> no <laughs> yeah, you can't talk yeah. about right. yeah there's some of those subs, st- things where it's like i couldn't think of something more boring to ask him <laughs> i think i i think sometime when even when we interviewed steve which was i think one of the first interviews we did i remember seeing some comment online saying like why didn't you ask him about a genesis reunion and i was just like would Steve, if he was going to be part of a Genesis reunion, would he let it out on a podcast? No. <laughs> it's like yeah. there'd be different ways to get that information out of, out there. And as we know, you just you just can't do a, a Steve reunion with the other three guys. It was it's, right. You can't do that. It's going to have to be yeah. all full tilt with Peter to get all that other material. You can't just yeah. have those three guys. Steve. I, see, but I always say I think you could. But it would be different. And I think that that's where it would involve a lot of compromise on both sides, where Steve would have to find a way to play that stuff that he wasn't on mm. and that the the Phil Tony Mike would would have had to find a way to in to let Steve be Steve within those tracks, too. So it would have been like Steve couldn't have just done what Daryl Sturmer did. He would have had to yeah. be himself there. And and would they have let him be that? Who knows? Yeah, so, I mean, maybe they let yeah. him work a little bit of the acolyte into yeah. into the set list, yeah. which is kind of like a lost Genesis album, anyway. Sure, yeah. yeah. But to Steve guitar in driving the last spike. Yeah, you know, there's a lot mm. of stuff like that that you could kind of, you know, that you could see. Steve said to me at one point, he's like, "Oh, he's like, I always pictured Abacab the song with the screaming guitar solo at the end," and I'm like, "Well, that's that's something that <laughs> you could have provided at some point, you know, but." But it, but you decided to leave, so oh well, you know what are you gonna do? So maybe Steve should do a, a Genesis revisited album, but it was the Genesis songs after he left. Yeah, that would be that would be <laughs> interesting. That you've, you've seen you've seen him in concert when he does that little impromptu invisible touch yeah. riff sure, on, yeah. on the on the acoustic guitar. That was yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. But that's I would that love funny. that. Those are the type of tribute things that I would love to hear, like Steve doing. Uh, maybe not an entire album of it, but just do like do Dodo, do something you know odd like that. A man on the corner, I could see him doing an interesting arrangement of. You know, there are those type of tracks, but you know, but there's then of, yeah, there's a lot of Duke that I think would have been nice with, with yeah. Steve. Yeah, that's still close enough. You know, you can make that alternate, and then there were three album that includes some stuff from whether it's you know, please don't touch or um, yeah, or Spectrum mornings where it's like I'll add on every day into you know 
that into that album or one of those other tra- songs from uh, Please Don't Touch. And you're like, yeah, this could have been something. Narnia, I think, could have been a decent Genesis track in its own I mean, way. I think so, uh, Def- Def- Defector could have been one, too. Yeah, yeah, sure. There's a lot of different things like that. So, so welcome to And Volume for All, a deeply reverent and lovingly irreverent exploration of the history, philosophy, and future of the greatest music in the world, heavy metal. I am your cinnamon host, Crunch, I guess, Quinn. Hi, this is Zach from Belated Binge Harry Potter, and you're listening to Pods Like Us. I mean, what, what was that like then? So you've, um, so you've, you've started the show originally as the five of you yep. at the tabletop, and then what was that like then? The first time, how did you arrange like the, the guest for the first time? What made you change or were you always intending on going there anyway? And what was that first experience like? Do you mean like uh, like to get the first interviews type yeah. of things like that? Yeah. I think that S- Steve is the most accessible of the band members and everything. I think Steve will, Steve is happy to talk to a lot of different people. And so I think that it was just a matter at that point, I had had a connection with him because I was, again, this is another bit of a long story, but I had, I had ended up in the late 2007 to 2010 or so being the webmaster for the Genesis website, for the actual official band website. And dumb lucked into the job. It was a part-time gig and it was just like, it was, it was great. But through that, I ended up meeting Steve and through, it was when he was going through his divorce and everything. And we became friendly, became friends. And so he was kind of the obvious first person to ask. And so Tom and I interviewed him uh, backstage at the show in Collingswood, uh, New Jersey. Uh, And that was just one of those things where it was like, all right, this will get us on the map in a way that we can be, that we can talk to the Genesis members. And this will, and if we do this well, this can be our calling card to say, basically look we're not idiots kind of as tom was saying before (laughs) yeah you know it's like we're our own type of idiots but the but we can we can do that and i think that i would love to do more i still think we we should probably work harder to get mike rutherford on the show uh that'd be great i think and you know because i think that it's realistic to get mike rutherford on the show whether it's not is or not to get peter or phil on there uh ray wilson i think would be fun to talk to in some yeah. ways so um you know and and nick or you know chester daryl i think those would be interesting people too so I, chester's, the, the, chester's the, retired now though right totally yeah he's and he's based down in tennessee or uh somewhere down there I, I forget exactly where he's at maybe right maybe he's around memphis or something so he's still touring he's the drummer for unitopia a band, oh, from okay. a band from Australia. They're doing some shows, or they did some shows. I Last lose track year, of time. Maybe at, was at that Prague Stock? Right. I don't know oh. if that had. Yeah. So I think he was doing some shows there, uh, but yeah, I think for the most part he's yeah retired. Yeah, but we should. Do, I was, it's I I do want to do more interviews, and Zoom is will probably allow for that. I think that just this past couple of years we've been kind of focused on getting through the pandemic and maybe not doing some, <laughs> some of the interview stuff. Yeah, exactly. Tom, I cut you off. I think that was you know, just something. to say the, the kind of the, the flip side of being able to interview some of these people is that the podcast as a starter was a five piece and you know, then a four oh, piece. Right. <laughs> and that's the fun of it. When we're all together, but sometimes when you do 
get lucky enough to interview one of the band members, it's usually one of us doing the interview. Has to has to steer the interview, yeah. yeah. Right, and yeah. is only there the only one present. So that's been a little bit, you know, of a oh, you got to go off and do this. And so what would happen if Mike gets is in England? He interviewed Tony Banks or Anthony right. Phillips. We would do like the bumpers of that episode where we would talk about it. Say, all right, Mike, here you go. Let's listen to your interview. And then we would come back from saying, oh, wasn't that great? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you know, it was just not sour grapes, just very envious <laughs> that, you know, yeah. Mike would get, get to go off and talk to these people. But it was for the greater good of getting some street cred for the right. podcast. Sure. Like we can go off and say, oh, uh, Phil Collins team, we've talked to Steve. We've talked to. Right. You know, is it hard to follow what Mike Rutherford is saying, though? Because he speaks <laughs> so quickly. Yeah. Well, that's that is the, you know, the, the, you know, two countries separated by the common language type of thing. And, you know, it is, it is funny to kind of try to understand the accents at times. But, but yeah, Mike would be interesting that way. With what Tom was saying, I, I always say, you know, I, I always did feel bad that in a way that it was me going and talking to these people, but also I didn't feel that bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like, but because I think that if, if we could have managed to get all five, four, three, two of, of us right. to, at these things, that would be great. I think that it would be, you know, fantastic to do it's just a matter of practicality of trying to figure figure this out and i was thinking like even with with tom going over to with doing a family thing in in the uk later this year like oh that might be something that if you know if if we can set something up for for tom to see some people when when he well, see some people i'm taking up all your time on your vacation now <laughs> but but if that can if something can work out maybe that'd be great for tom to be able to do that and then i could be the one feeling feeling left out and everything so get ready for an itinerary being written out for you tom exactly <laughs> yes at this time you've got to be at phil's and then you've got to yes. be at uh, you've got to be at mike's <laughs> at this time and yes uh, yeah the Ray podcast Will, is Ray taking Wilson over there. <laughs> the podcast tony, takes over everything tony pick it up i got somewhere to be right <laughs> i'm gonna hire him as my uber driver yes exactly he's, he's got a keyboard on his dashboard which is great <laughs> exactly so, I mean, I mean, that's a good idea. I mean, you know, is he yeah. a good is he a good Uber driver then, Mike? Hey, he's, he's got to do something with his time at, nowadays. There's only so much gardening you can do. So, you know, but yes, he was a good driver. You know, I felt safe in the car. Uh, again, but the main thing as an American driving in England is that I was sitting in what I think of as the driver's seat, mm -hmm. and he's in the uh, in the passenger seat driving away, and I'm just like. Well, this is, you know, interesting on many levels right now. So, but, but it's I, great. Yeah. You know, it's good times. I thought five was a beautiful album. It is. Made. And, and I think that's something that being able to talk with him about his classical albums and about his rock albums was, was something that he doesn't get to do all the time. Yeah. And so he doesn't, and I'm sure he appreciates yeah. the attention, but uh, I do agree with Tony Smith's um, comment. He feels mm. that like the Genesis music is his legacy. You know, he yeah. didn't have the solo career that uh, that any of them had, but right. the Genesis albums is Tony's legacy. And I, yeah. I agree with Tony Smith's statement there. Yeah. I think so too. I think that, you know, every, even as much as a democracy as Genesis is slash was, 
bands always have a leader. And I think then Tony Banks was the leader of that band. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was. And it's just, it does seem, you know, he does get a little bit of flack though with his, you know, with his demeanor and stuff and his approach <laughs> and his attitude towards Steve and things like that. And, you know, these guys are pretty, yeah. I think a lot of that respectful. is respectful. Yeah. They're not going to say anything, but and I, I think a lot of that is overblown and also like, like people taking what, what Tony means as, as kind of little jokes a little bit more seriously. And so I think that's, you know, the joke about, you know, we, Oh, so we just missed Steve out of seconds out and moved on type of thing. It's like, Steve is all over seconds out. It's like, you listen mm -hmm. to bootlegs of the same year and it sounds pretty much the same there. So it's, um, it's one of those things that some sometimes people like ragging on Tony Banks, and which I get, but it's it's uh, it's he's Tony Banks. Without of course, he would, it's like Genesis wouldn't have lasted as long as it did without Tony Banks, and that's no. the no. band interesting. So you, you could arguably say there probably wouldn't be a Genesis without Tony, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Every band has that guy or that girl, you know, who's who's kind of really the person who helps move things forward. And there's on one of the reissue interviews, there's, I forget which album it was for, but it was probably for trick or for wind where Phil is saying, he's like, Oh, you know, we would start rehearsing and Mike would have some bits. Steve was have some bits. I might have a bit. He's like, and Tony would have hundreds of bits. <laughs> and I think that, you know, that's why Tony Banks was all over the writing credits. I think that yeah tony was one of those guys who was who he'd be like oh you don't like that idea let me i have 10 other ideas here for you to to check out and and so yeah tony banks was the dominant writer in that band especially at those times so one of the coolest things the myths that i love seeing and hearing debunked is the fact that phil was the one pushing all the pop stuff and right, he sure. was like pushing no let's do supper ready full in, yeah. on 86 and tony banks was like no we're not gonna so i i think if people took the time to read that and understand that yeah, I mean, they they get a total different appreciation and understanding of the inner workings of the band. That was Phil. Phil wanted to yeah. do the whole thing. I think yeah. he wanted to do it on the We Can't Dance tour too. I think probably. You know, I I think that it was probably discussed. I think that that's Supper's Ready is one of those tracks that always kind of comes up as a possibility, and it's and rightfully so. I think it is also the well. If we play all of Supper's Ready, what else <laughs> are we not going to play because of that? But I do think that. Tony and probably Mike to an extent are kind of like, well, we gotta, we gotta give the audience what they know. And so we gotta play a lot of invisible touch. We gotta play the hits. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the audience, especially going uh, in 2007 and in, in the last couple of years would have been more accepting of some more obscure tracks, but it is what it is. You know, it's, it's, I, I get why they choose the songs they, they do. The, the set list certainly worked. Hey, it does. And yeah. you tell you what, and they closed their last, they closed their last tour ever with the carpet yeah. crawlers. Yeah. Come on. Exactly. That's it. So yeah, that's a good so, closure. That's yeah, a good closure. Is. Yep. So, so yeah, very positive. So we love this band. In case you couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, and, there's, and, there's so much to love. Yeah. Hey, this is Jeff Cummings from the Best Song Podcast, the show that is telling the stories of every song nominated for the Academy Award. You're listening to Pods Like Us. Hey, I'm Mr. X. And I'm Caleb. Of the Mac, the e Mac Rat, e Rat Podcast. Podcast.
and you're listening to Pods Like Us with Marv. Here's you, Marv. So, I mean, so also another interesting thing is that you don't go literally album by album, or you haven't. So how did you pick which albums that you've done in the, that order? I think Abacab was chosen because it was middle of the road and we wanted to go with a Phil record because I think people would think, oh, it's a Genesis podcast. They're going to focus on Peter. So, you know, we didn't want to start with a Peter one. We also thought it would be, you know, talking about Peter releasing a new track every every month, kind of like, oh, what are they going to cover next? Like, what's going to come next? Like, if we started with from Genesis to Revelation, people will know, all right, next episode is going to be Nurse uh, Trespass and mm. so down the line. So it was kind of a nice... Just not to, only, yes, yeah, yeah. kind of mix it up for the listeners, but also for us, because we would finish recording an album. And the fun part of it was, you know, we were probably several beers in by then. Uh, <laughs> just say, what are we, what are we going to cover next? And we would just well, shoot up ideas and, and try to figure something out. And that was a fun part too. It's, yeah. it's a good thing you guys did it that way, because a yeah. lot of podcasts that cover artists and bands that choose to do the albums chronologically, you do with them. And if they're not really that active anymore, once you're done with yeah. the albums mm. proper, you're done. And so where do you go? So it's good on you guys to just, first of all, you did them, but you kind of just did them in a random order. Then you figured yeah. you know, other shows to talk about. It's just not about the albums. Because if you just do the albums, once the albums are done, they're, you're done. How do you evolve? Right. How do you continue to be relevant? How do you keep yeah. your show fresh? Yeah. And you guys do that. Yeah. And that was something that like, it's, it's funny how, how much, how much thought doesn't go into the shows. Like, like I remember after doing Abacab, it was like, oh, we should probably do a, a Peter album next. And I think this, the next one was probably nursery crime. Does that sound yeah. right, Tom? Yes. And so, and like, we would usually at the end of of recording, especially when it was the five of us, it would be like, oh, what do we want to do next? And sometimes we would decide then, sometimes it'd be like, ah, we'll think about that later on. But it was never that hard to kind of choose what the next one was. It was usually one of us just saying, how about Wind and Wuthering? And the other's going, yeah, that sounds good. You know, it was, it was never belabored. It was never, you know, dragged down fights about this stuff because it seemed kind of logical that we knew that there were there were more it was pretty even split but i think there were more you know phil album aren't there more phil albums than peter albums it's pretty even you know you'd think we'd have this these numbers <laughs> off the top of our head but it was it it was pretty straightforward and then it was a matter of you know when we introduced solo albums into the mix it was like oh do we cover a phil album oh let's do a peter album now let's uh, you know, we haven't talked about let's talk about aunt phillips but let's not do the obvious one of geese and the ghost let's talk about wise after the event mm -hmm. and so we would want to keep ourselves interested in it too so and mm -hmm. and kind of find those albums that we'd like to talk about so and listeners if they want to right now coming fresh into the podcast they can either listen to it as we recorded them right or if they want they could listen to the albums in chronological order go to our from genesis to revelation and then, then go, right. then go to yeah. trespass and they can and they have an option cherry to pick do. yeah they yeah. can cherry pick your shows if they're going to listen in front then they can find your shows yeah. over the course of the what nine almost 10 years you guys have been doing it to find yeah. them when they when they you know when you guys did it and they could you know get your insight and your take on those albums, even though you didn't record them that way, but it'll yeah. could work for them. Yeah. Good yeah, point. I, th I think that's the the fun of it. And 
And that's and that's still what keeps Tom and I going now is kind of like, oh, well, what do we want to talk about? And, you know, and who do we want to bring in? Because I, I think it's a two person podcast is fine. I personally think and I think Tom would probably agree with this, is that three is a pretty solid number. And if you get more than five, I think it gets unwieldy at that point. Um but and I think, were, like, and then there were three. There yeah, go. exactly. So, so it's nice that nowadays we tend to try to bring in a, a third guest to kind of talk about an album with us, and we've kind of over the last you know couple of years have now have our kind of rotating cast of of guests, which we're certainly open to having other guests on too, um, to kind of talk about things. But we have you know Stacy likes to come back when we talk about a Phil Collins album. Uh, yeah. We have a friend, uh, Catherine Stratton, who's a very big Mike Rutherford fan. So whenever we do kind of a Rutherford or a Mechanics type of thing, we tend to reach out to her to get her on there. And we also kind of know like, oh, we're, we're, we're two middle-aged white guys. And so it's <laughs> like, it's nice to get some other perspective on there than, again, we're, we're certainly happy to have other middle-aged white guys on the show too, but it's like, <laughs> you know, we, and we have had that. So it's like, but we like to kind of, you know, get some different perspectives. We have a friend, Adam Cromelo, who's a younger musician who's really into Genesis and Tony Banks and Peter Gabriel. And so we've had him on to talk about security and some of the work that he's done with his own kind of Genesis tribute uh, project that he has going on. So we, we find people who are, you know, who are both friends and people who have the same type of, you know, approach to things. And, you know, and there's other people that we want to get, like we've had, you know, some other, uh, friends who have podcasts or do certain things um, who we've who've reached out to us and been like, oh, yeah, let's try to have this person on and kind of do something with them about a certain album. So, you know, it's I think that Tom and I are both pretty open to having, you know, guests that we think make sense. And, and it makes it a little different for us, too. Like we Mike had alluded to, we're trying to nail down a, a recording date for <laughs> with Stacy for a Phil Collins album. And she was, she texted me that she was unavailable for the date we had set up. Well, she said, you know, if you can't change dates, go ahead and just, just you and Mike do it. And I said, I've been talking to Mike all 2023 long. I said, I need another, <laughs> I need another voice to talk to on these shows. That's right. I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, Mike's, Mike, Mike's cute and all, but you know, we need, mm -hmm. we need, we need some Stacy in here. We need some lady balls talk. We need some, uh... <laughs> well, especially with, with, with like a Phil album where like I, I like Phil solo stuff, but it's yep. not my favorite solo career of the solo careers. And so it's not that I know what my opinion is going to be because I actually need to sit down and kind of do my notes taking pass on the album. And, but it's, it's something that Stacy is really a Phil Collins fan. And I think yeah. Tom is a bigger Phil Collins fan than i am yes <laughs> tom is putting the album by the <laughs> the screens there and so it's like you know we have to kind of you know find ways to do this and let me do the same thing here i will do my screen here which mm, there you I, pulled, go. I pulled the disc out i just haven't listened to it yet people are seeing that on the video now Yes, the portrait, we have the portrait of Dorian Gray version. Right? I know. Yes, I have. The, the, I have the the. You have the younger picture. Oh, you have the, the age. You have the age yes. one. Okay, yes. there you go. So, um, but, uh, whose solo careers do you enjoy the most? I mean, is it is it Tom? You like Phil? Phil's the best. No, I think uh, it's 
tough to say. I think if I had to choose one, I'd I'd go with Peter, just because okay. I think there's a wider variety of like I love listening to his first album. I love listening to IO and almost everything in between. Whereas Phil, I kind of drop off at a certain point. So I'd have to say for longevity and for the amount of stuff that I have available to me that I really love listening to, I'd go with Peter. Peter. Okay. Mike? I, you know, sometimes to be contrarian, I would love to say Tony Banks, uh, which is true. I, I really do love a lot of the Tony Banks albums. I think realistically, I would probably go with Peter because I think like Tom says, you get so much, you get so much diversity within Peter's career, but it is also obviously Peter Gabriel. It's like, and I think that's an amazing kind of thing that he does where he can sound very different, but it all sounds like him. Um, I think that Steve's career, there are some of his albums that I really love and some that kind of blend together for me. And, and I think that I'm hoping that this new album of Steve's that's coming out, I think this month or next month, month, I hope it shakes things up a little bit. Um, And I know it's a concept album and I know that he Mm. surprisingly, he hasn't really done a concept album. Yeah. What's it called? What's it called again? uh, The the, whale or something? The the circus and the night whale. If I'm not circus and the night whale. Yes. Um, And, and I have not listened to the track or two that have come out from it because I kind of, what Tom was saying before, I want to wait for the full album to come out. And, and I'm sure, but I'm, and I'm sure that, you know, we could probably get Steve on the podcast to talk about the album. So that might be something you know, I, I I made no promises, but we can maybe try to do that at some point. Yeah, he um, talked about the album. He he's just so prolific. And uh, ten yeah. years ago, I probably would have been like, "Ah, oh, it's Peter Gabriel's solo career, hands down." I'm yeah, gonna, sure. But I but I have gravitated, and I I enjoy Hackett solo material the best out of all the Genesis members. Okay, it, it's. So it's, do you do you like the newer stuff, the older stuff, or is it all is it I all like great the for older you, stuff, or? obviously, and the newer stuff, the the middle okay. period there in the eighties and the nineties, uh-huh. maybe not so much, but like everything <laughs> okay. up until like maybe highly strung, okay, and fantastic, and then yeah. you know everything probably since I would say. Um, maybe like Wolf Light, no, Out of the Tunnel's Mouth. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Okay. You know, um, the uh, the one Out of the Tunnel's Mouth is really good. Also from the 90s, Guitar Noir yeah. is a fantastic album. That was one that kind of, when I was uh, in living in Boston at the time, that kind of came out of nowhere. And I was like, this is a really good album. And I was like, and it just seemed, it, it did nothing in the United States because no. you know, it was in that kind of, career dip time frame and it was just like this this deserves more of a listen than it's getting but i loved it so i'll check that one out i think steve steve has done he's figured out the balance of how to get you know obviously the draws the touring he is going to play the genesis stuff he's not obviously filling these venues playing just his own solo material but he's got it half the show dedicated to his own solo career which is nice Yeah. yeah And um, like the thing that I was thinking about with Steve is that it always felt like about every 10 years or, sh- or so he would shake things up and start doing something not radically different, but would kind of, you know, have a different approach. And it, but it feels like his solo albums have been in this kind of a similar approach since to watch the storms, which is a great album. Oh yeah. That was around two th- 99, 2000 or so. Yeah. And now I'm like, again, being older now, I'm like, oh, that's 23 years ago at this point. And I'm like, it's, it's like, it's, it works for him. But I, as, as a listener, 
I want to give those newer albums more of a listen because I listen to them a couple of times and then they go on the shelf. Right. And it doesn't sink in as much, but I'm also 50 something years old listening to music in a different way. So that's true too. And where you find the music at your age and that all plays into it, of course. Wolf, yeah. Wolf Light, I thought was a tremendous record. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, there's ones that are all good and I just need like, but I can't, I couldn't name a track name off of Wolf Wolflight, although I bet there's a track called Wolflight on there. There is. But, that's, um, yeah. but I couldn't name a song off of that album at this point. Right. And like like the Night Siren, good one. Right. And then the, yep. and they had another just one. Like, yeah. Uh, yep. So he's just he's cranked out so much and it's good. But that's yeah. I mean, not that it's a negative. I mean, the man's producing music. Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank, exactly. Thank God he is. Yeah. And he's and obviously he's they're selling decently enough that he keeps doing them and everything. And so and I do think they're successful albums artistically. I just would. And I that's why I think doing this concept album might be a, a push yeah. for him in a different in a in a different direction for him. I mean, the last concept album he did was Landwise Down on Broadway. So, you know, that's, yeah. you know, it is something that will be, I, I'm not expecting it to be a Landwise Down on Broadway, but I think that having a creative theme running through an album could be really, really good, I think, on that front. So I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, while we are um, talking about um, uh, Steve, I yes. will just put that across the screen for oh, everyone yes. to see. That is, oh, that's nice. a good album. That's Very kind nice. of a more acoustic one, Under the, the Mediterranean Sky. That's yep. the COVID. That's the COVID album. Yep. Yes. That's a signed <laughs> copy, by the way. Very nice. Very nice. Yep. No, Steve is great and doing like, he's he's very accessible to fans and he does a lot of, I remember when in the 90s, when Camino Records started up, when he was finding a way to get his music out to his fan base. I ordered a couple CDs right at the start from things. And I don't even think it was billed as getting signed CDs. And he signed all three of the ones that I ordered. And, and one was like, you know, to Mike, best wishes, Steve Hackett and everything. I'm like, oh, he actually took the time to personalize these. And, and I was just very impressed by that from the get-go that he was finding a way to kind of, kind of basically say, well, these record companies aren't giving me what I, what I want or what I need. I, guess I have to do it myself. And it was one of those earlier kind of adopters into that mode that, you know, bands like King Crimson and Marillion, I think went into a little bit more later on and everything. So, so kudos to Steve for jumping in on that side of things. Hey, this is Ross. Simon. And Thomas. From who takes the socks off podcast, the show that answers the questions you didn't even know you needed the answers to. You're listening to Marv, the one man podcasting machine on pods like us. Hey, this is Chris from Podtastic Audio, the show that I have created to help you create your amazing podcast. And you are listening to pods like us. Well, I mean, another another interesting thing when you get guests is that also when you go to um I mean, you, you've had a couple. Have you had how many people have you had that have worked with Pete? Um, oh, Jerry, Jerry Morata. Jerry Morata. That was an incredible interview. Love yeah, that interview. We, Jerry's a great guy. Too. Jerry's great. Yeah, we had him on our show too for the work. <laughs> oh, he did right, because he with played McCartney. with McCartney. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Press to play. Yeah, yeah. and um, have we had anyone else who worked with Peter? I think that's it. We we need to get Tony Levin at some point. Oh, you know, yes. And that's something that. Oh, yeah, that would uh, be a score. Yeah. So that's and that's 
and I have a contact that I can work with that. And Tom and I would have to drive up to Woodstock and do that at some point. So maybe in the spring, maybe we'll try to work that out or something. So it's not that far. It is not. Yeah. We can certainly do that in a couple hours. And actually, yeah, I think that uh, this this friend who got got me the contact with with Jerry Murata back when we did that was like, oh, yeah. And he knows Tony Levin also. So he actually said, like, I can get you both of them at the same time. And I'm like, all right, we need to work on this. <laughs> and so it's like, but, I, you know, it's horrible because as much as we like doing the podcast, I think there are times I can speak for myself when I am lazier about things than I should be. And it's like, I need to kind of make the effort and be like, all right, I should, you know, reach out to this person and start trying to get this going and, you know, or reach out to this other musician who I'm in contact with to try to get this person on the show again. And it's like, it's, there's just too many things going on in real life sometimes that get you away from things. But 2024 will be the change of, will be the re not the revitalization, but just kind of like, let's get some things moving that we've met, been talking about for a while. You need right, to have Tony and David. Yeah. Oh, wait, David Rhodes. Oh, David Rhodes. Oh, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. So that was, he was at one of the last Genesis shows too. I saw him, uh, saw him there and everything. So I uh, should have gone up to him and chatted with him, but I was you can an get, idiot. Uh, so. You can get maybe Bob Fripp or Bob Ezrin on? <laughs> uh, if we can get, if we can get the two Bobs, that would be, uh, that would be <laughs> impressive. Bob ever. I don't know if Fripp would ever want to talk about not not because of anything bad, but I just don't know if talking about the Gabriel stuff would be that interesting for, for him. him. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, and I I'd be that that would be an interview that would probably frighten me more than any other <laughs> interview that I've done, just because he I I not that I'm scared of Fripp, and I'm actually a big King Crimson fan, but I would just want to impress him too much. And I think it's more on my side of things that I would feel like that I would. Oh, that you, I, do, I feel, you could do I your feel, homework. You could I do feel it. like I'd be a disappointment and I don't want to feel that way. <laughs> I mean, the, oh, you're yeah, talking about Fripp. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing there is the different approaches to Here Comes the hmm. Flood. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that I think Gabriel's even said that he prefers the version that Fripp did on exposure yeah. compared to the Bob Ezrin kind of overproduced version on the first album. But that's, yeah, I think that'd be, they, they uh, both are good though. They're both, oh, yeah. they're both, they're both great in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, the one you're talking about is the, is that the one that's on his uh, shaking the tree greatest hits one, the slow one? No, that's, that's even, that's just, Gabriel on a piano, the one on exposure still has a bit of guitar to it and is a it is it is not as bombastic as the the album version on Peter gotcha. Gabriel one is. Uh that's a big epic kind of yes. you know, Lord, here comes the flood. Right, there right. Is, it sounds now more stripped I, back. Yeah, it's definitely there's still an arrangement to it, but it's much more like the solo piano version than mm. than the album version over over so. the top produced one exactly yeah. right cool you you've touched on this so actually uh, a a a, um, a friend of mine and andy's has sent in a sent in sort of is it a question Ooh. or is it uh ed chen <laughs> ed, chen, oh. ed, chen, oh, ed, from, ed chen okay from, sure from when they was fab he says he says he said it's sort of like going on a tangent here because of tony levin having worked with a Beatle as well with, with John Lennon as well. Mm. He said, and he, he often wonders because Tony was on Salisbury Hill. 
he said, what do you think of the life that that song has now? Because it's all over the place. It's like the default film music if they're going to use a Peter song. Yeah. Mm. The, the main character is making a life choice. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, yeah. making, he's reached a crossroads. <laughs> and as, as, as he's making it, Salisbury Hill starts playing. So it's what do you think about the fact that that is the go-to song that these people use? I think I think it it is amazing that it was on his first record, second song, but and it's I think it's just the uplifting nature of the song where the song itself is talking about making a change and you know people allude that it was about him leaving Genesis and you know part of the machinery getting out uh and I think it because it's an upbeat nature because it's just a feel good song people associate it with like, all right, well, I want to make some change in my life. And and I think that's why people resonate to it. Why filmmakers pick it for that spot in yeah. the movie. <laughs> well, they're, yeah. they're not picking more up on the burger monster. No, they should. Maybe <laughs> they, they should. They, they should. should damn it. Yeah. They're down to Dolce Vita or something like right. that. Friedkin, Friedkin should have picked, taken that song for his, for his movie. <laughs> exactly. I always, a friend of mine, like who's also a Peter Gabriel fan. He always, said that you know Salisbury Hill like in live concerts nowadays is kind of like a sucker punch like Peter knows the reaction it's going to get from the crowd it was one of the if it wasn't the last track of the of the of the set the main set on the recent tour it was pretty close to it and it's like but it it's a song that works it gets the crowd going and it's and I think that that's one of those things that sometimes you just have to kind of give in to the inevitability of it because it is a song that everybody knows that relate to it. Yeah, yeah. That they relate to it and that it's, you know, that's there, you know, I always hesitate to use the nostalgia term, but it is a song that's meaningful and it's meaningful over the long term. And if that's nostalgia, then that's nostalgia. That's fine. But that's when you've lived a life, whether you're Peter's age or our age or whatever, there's going to be songs like that that connect with you different ways over your lifespan. And that's one of those tracks that can continue to hit you. And when everybody in the crowd goes boom, boom, boom at the same time, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, that's a moment and that works. Yeah. That, that ability to connect with people in the moment yeah. with, with a part like that. That's yeah. yeah. And that song does that. I mean, so it's, it's one of his most popular songs. It's yeah. always going to be, you're going to see Spotify, Apple music, yeah. Peter Gabriel. It's going to be one of the top songs you see. Yeah. You know, it, it did that and maybe Sledgehammer. You know, so I'm a I'm a I'm a video production arts teacher, oh, okay. and I and I always show Sledgehammer when I roll out sure. the music video <laughs> universe stop motion. Yeah, well, and I remember there's something that Phil said about people complaining about Susudio, and yep. Phil's line was, "I only wrote the song once." He's yeah. like, "I can't help <laughs> if people play it on the radio all the time, or if you hear it." He's like, "He's like, kind of." His thing was almost like, "Don't blame me about it." And I think that. Same thing with Peter. If you write a song like a sledgehammer or Salisbury Hill that just becomes huge, you can't really blame the writer performer for that because it's the it's the audience who makes that song huge, who makes that song yes. what it is. Yeah. Um, did you guys see Peter when he came around in the area? Yep. More than once? 
we saw Tom and I were together at Philly and then it was just me at New York. (laughs) Yes. I probably had COVID at the New York city show, but was not sick, but I was, I went to the New York city show, uh, which Tom was going to go to, but then couldn't go to. So, you know, how was it? So I, I I didn't really, really, I didn't see any reviews of it. I could not make it. So what, 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 how was it? I thought it was, did I only go to one mic? I went to one. Yeah, Philly, and then unless you went to something after New York City, but I don't think you did. So, wow, I, I must have had COVID brain for not remembering that. Yeah, but exactly. I thought it was a great show. I think I would love having spent a lot of time with the album, which he did eleven of the twelve songs on that album. He did, which is yeah. you know for a legacy artist who might throw in one or two new tracks and then just play all old stuff. Right. <laughs> it was split about fifty fifty new album, and then. Of the 50% that was the old stuff, almost half of that was from So. So yeah. it really left a, a little bit from the first four albums that he could play. I'm hoping that if he comes around again, maybe he'll cut it back to, I mean, I could, I'd love to hear four or five songs from IO and then the rest, the other 75% be older stuff. But, you know, I, I get it. He loved playing the new stuff. I think it came across great. Uh, some of it I really enjoyed, you know, playing for time. Yeah. IO Road to Joy. I knew we we're going to be big fan favorites, even for those who didn't know the album. I mean, they're just fun songs to stand up and, and sing along to. So I, I, I give a definite positive thumbs up to, to the shows. And, you know, Mike saw it multiple yeah. times. So he was able to assess it, you know, secondhand yeah. too. Yeah. I, th- I think that like, I think there were like 22 songs during the set. So it was like 11 new songs and 11 old songs and all those old songs, except for the first two, which were washing in the water and growing up, which were kind of Mm. done semi acoustically. They were all the songs you would expect, like a a digging in the dirt. Don't give up sledgehammer red rain. Yeah. And, and, but I think because he was giving you this lump of music that 98% of the audience probably hadn't heard, he was like, all right, I got to give the people, the other stuff so that they will get carried along and, and let me play this new stuff, the, the, the new stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I was really impressed at both shows, both Philly and New York, that people really gave the new stuff a chance mm-hmm. because sometimes you think like people are going to go to the bathroom. They're going to start booing, like play, play sledgehammer type of thing. But it, there was really none of that to any huge extent at either of the shows and I'm, that's and that's i'm and not surprising to hear because i i yeah. like to think that the peter gabriel slash genesis fan community is a well-educated community they're not gonna I hope yeah they're not gonna sit there you know chanting out all drunken oh, play this play that <laughs> yeah. like give you know, me they're, steam they're, <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, right like yeah. I, for the they're very you know like you go to a hack you go to a genesis related show those people know what they want they know what they like and yes. they're gonna give gabriel the time and chance to play his new music. And even if they don't know it, they're going yeah. to be respectful and listen to it and not be, Oh, I'm going to the bathroom. I'm going to get a beer. Like none of that. Right. No. Yeah. 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 It'd be pretty long bathroom break for all the new music in there. You can <laughs> half the time. And that's where I think like, like Tom and I used to go to these uh, progressive rock festivals called near fest. Uh, that was every basically June in the fill in the uh, round uh, Allentown area. And like Stacy would go to that too. And oftentimes I think you, Tom and Stacy would kind of make playlists of all the bands that were going to play, be playing. So you get familiar with their music. 
And I was always like, if it's if it's a band I don't know, I don't want to know them until I actually hear them live because I kind of liked going in cold. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But I always thought those bands that could convince me, having not heard a note of their music, I knew that there was something there. And that's what I would hope people who were Peter Gabriel fans who would who maybe didn't even know that it was going to be that he had a new album out or being prepared or whatever would go to this show and then be like, oh, there's all this music. I don't know. What what is this? You know, and it was and I think people gave it a fair listen and I think people got into it. So, you know, and then he he knew he knew how to to give the audience those, you know, the doses of the hits, you know, to give them, you know, what they wanted. But even with playing hits, he didn't play, you know, shot the monkey, for example, he didn't. Right. Like I was going to, my my next question was going to be like his, his first four solo albums are so damn good, but his shows are the last 20 or 30 years. You've got nothing virtually from them other than one Salisbury Hill. Yeah. You get Salisbury Hill. Maybe here comes the flood every once in a while. You don't get anything from two, nothing, three, maybe intruder every once in a while, but not games much without else. frontiers games without think, frontiers yeah. that's right yeah yeah um, you're not getting wallflower you know right well, he yeah did, he did play that a little the bit. orchestral one yeah yes um but the, so but even that was kind of its own weird little tour that was kind of different than the others which was great yeah. so it's but yeah i think that tom and i have said that we should be set list consultants for you know <laughs> genesis you related acts and kind of you, you know yeah, because i think that we'd be fair in saying yeah you do want to give people familiar stuff but also you want to give give them things that you know might be a little obscure but will still get a a audience reaction from people who don't know the music because there's plenty of people going to Gabriel's show who so is the their only entry point for that's that. all they know right yeah and it's like so you know are you I always say I want to hear more about the Burgermeister. I know he's never going to play more about the Burgermeister again, but could you play more about the Burgermeister at Madison Square Garden and get people going? Oh, this is kind of weird, but it's fun. It's but they it like it. it, right? Yeah, it's like. But I, I always say at the, the track that would really convince people or be be able to be kind of digested on a first listen would be something like I don't remember where it has yeah. the chorus yeah. to it. It has, you know, and it might be vaguely familiar to some people, but it there's, wouldn't be something that people would, it's an obscure enough track, but it's all that the diehards would probably be happy to hear it because I've never seen it played live. Then there's that lost orphan called I go swimming, which God, <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. You That's know, a great funky track. Yeah. Oh my so God. You know, yep. and it's just buried on a live <laughs> album. That's yep. it. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. So I think like, again, we could, we can write our fantasy set lists until the cows come home with this stuff. And so it's, and we have, and it's, and it's always fun. But I also, I very much, even with talking about the last Genesis tour, I will defer to the artists. It's like, they're the ones who are playing this and they get from the stage. If a song isn't going over, they'd make a change. You know, they're not going to play something uh, you know, maybe who done it, they would play and just kind of keep, keep playing. But even who done it, when I listen to bootlegs, it's like, I know Phil always joked, he's like, oh, the audience hated it, but it got decent. I think people generally understood the fun that that song was. <laughs> and yeah, there were a couple of gigs in Europe where there was a lot of booing for a lot of the new stuff on that Abacab tour. But, you know, but I think I I said from 2007, I thought they should have opened with Who Done It, But, you know, that was again, <laughs> that was again, me just being contrary. So, yeah. 
Hey, this is Greg at Bad Counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to Pods Like Us with Marv and Down with Monarchy. (laughs) Hey, this is Danny from One Minute Podcast Tips, the show that helps you be a better podcaster in just a minute a week. And you're listening to Pods Like Us. Actually, before Andy asked to leave us, unfortunately, because he's got a Mm -hmm. prior engagement, I think we ought to probably get Mm -hmm. on with this one. So, um... Yes. Top three go-tos that, that me and Mike were discussing a couple of hours before we mm. started this. The the idea is so top three go-to albums. So should we do this? I'm not. I mean, I've picked three that are a mixture essentially. So it could be the what the go-tos for anything Genesis related mm. makes it even more difficult for you. So just the band or solo or everything? solo band or any of the outside projects? What would you be your three go tos, Andy? Oh. oh, I'm not. You ask those guys first. I'm not ready. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mike, Tom, Mike do you want to go first? Or? I was going to say Mike would because he's because he's known about this for a couple of hours. I I talked way too much, so I want to make sure that Tom <laughs> can go first if he wants to. Uh, I'll go with the shirt that you're wearing, Duke. Uh, as it's my favorite Genesis album, I think it just has everything start to finish. It's middle of the road from they're just turning sort of away from their prog days, but they're still got a foot in it with the opening three tracks suite. They've got the, you know, Duke's Travels, Duke's End, which kills me every time. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of those albums where I was thinking about this recently where it, it what's my favorite Genesis song? And I never really had one. I had like a top five. They would always vary. Some would fall in, some would fall out. But I think Duke's Travels, Duke's End is, well, now I'm second guessing myself. It's up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would now say because I can, it, that album can still elicit emotions start to finish from excitement to uh, love loss with please don't touch which oh, people yeah. people slag off but when you hear Phil talk about it on the yeah. face value dvd i mean he's he's got tears in his eyes when he's talking about it and he yeah. can't even hold the cd without welling up i'm like cuz you know that that's from the heart it's not just a schmaltzy love song no. and then it goes back into duke's travels duke's end which just always kicks ass and when it gets to that guitar solo about 3 quarters of the way through Stick a fork in me. <laughs> so, and even even Daryl playing it will get, yeah. get me. Um, sorry, so that's one. I'd say for the older stuff, I'd I don't know, it's hard to pick a Peter era album that encapsulates everything. Lamb is just so involved that I don't know if I'd suggest that off the bat. Possibly nursery crime I would go to just because it opened strong. It's got a lot of lovely silent bits. It's got songs with heavy bits, a mixture. Uh, so that one might be one that I suggest for the older stuff. And for the solo stuff, I would probably want to open someone's eyes and ears who thinks Phil Collins, Tarzan, and maybe go with one of his first two albums just to show the kind yeah. of variations that this isn't some guy who you know is going to give you a love song. This guy experiments with things. You've got the whole roof is leaking hand in hand suite. You've got on the second album, you've got the weird stuff like um, Mm -hmm. 
through these walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, the anger of I don't care anymore. Like, do you know? Do you care? That's do you know? Do you one. care? Like, and there's a song on the second side of uh, "Hello, I Must Be Going," which also gets me every time. I think it's uh, what's the what's the kind of ballady song on the, on the second side? Is it "Why Can't It Wait Till Morning"? Or... No, it's it's like one or two before then. Um, <laughs> don't let him steal your heart away. That's it. Yes. There's a couple. There's a couple lines in there yep, when he that's... repeats it. No, don't say it. I know. I know. Like mm-hmm. it's just he really knows how to get you. So I think if I had to make it three slash four, it'd be Duke, Nursery Crime, and then one of Phil's first two albums. Did you say Nursery Crime? I said yeah. if I had if I had to go three albums, oh. I would do Duke to get people in. My top right. three to get people into it would be either Duke, Nursery Crime, okay. and from Solo, I'd I got suggest one of yeah. Phil's first okay. two albums. Yeah, I, I kind of took it in that way of of also kind of like, if there was somebody who didn't know Genesis or the solo albums, what would I recommend to them? And for Genesis, I would go with Selling England. Yep. Um, That's what I've picked. Because it was, for me, it was after kind of being a kid of the 80s, you know, and kind of being familiar with you know, stuff from the Mama album, you know, Mama and That's All, and then Invisible Touch. Uh, Selling England was the first Gabriel-led album that I heard. And it was surprising, but I got it. And it was like it connected with me. So I was like, okay, I think that could be an entryway into that stranger mm-hmm. Genesis. Um, for so, so Genesis, I was thinking Peter Gabriel 4, would be another entryway into Peter's career. And, and I also was thinking, hello, I must be going for Phil's career. Although again, I think you're for that, you're starting at the peak and then, you know, where else do you like, like if, if I only had that album from Phil's career, I'd be okay. You know, there's, I, <laughs> I like, I like other Phil stuff, but that album to me is his best album, even though he doesn't give it much credit. Um, it was a surprise uh, the, to me when uh, you did that. Yeah, I, I love that album. And it's just like, I think it's great. And for many of the same reasons Tom said, I, again, the the kind of prickly part of me would like to say The Fugitive by Tony Banks, um, <laughs> because I also love that album for for many reasons. Um, and but I also know that it would be an acquired taste for many. So so my three would be Selling England, Security, Peter Gabriel 4 and Hello, I Must Be Going. Okay. Uh I got my 3, Martin. So go on, I'll Andy. go I'll go um 3. Well, I'm going to go 3 2 1. So uh, for a solo career, I'm going to go with Hackett's Acolyte because you've got uh, good you've one. got you've got Rutherford on there, you've yep. got Phil on there with Star of Sirius, so you've got those other guys and, and drumming. He drums on the entire album too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got Phil on there too represented drumming and singing, so you can see kind of where Phil would go as a solo career down the road plus just being just a great record by steve himself mm-hmm. uh one from peter and one from phil's era of genesis two i'm gonna go with duke i agree with uh you know uh, both of you guys as well home run of an album that will just slay every time <laughs> even songs like cul-de-sac i mean are just just fantastic mm. fantastic ingrid agreed fantastic yep. for just fan- yeah. just wonderful songs even the even the deep cuts on duke are just off the charts great um of even alone tonight even yes even I, alone tonight. I, like I, I just had to get you on record for that. <laughs> yeah, even even alone tonight. But okay. uh, but 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 as as um, you know, as Tom so wonderfully said, 
please don't ask. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, you couldn't find a more emotional song to ever listen to. I mean, you hear that song and it just makes the, just gives you goosebumps because it's mm-hmm. real. It's yep. real and it's sad and it's so emotional. And the fact that it made a Genesis record, I mean, it would have been that or face value. We, we, we would have gotten on even one of those, but um, the fact that it's on Duke, which was already a great record makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and, and just the whole Duke's travel, Duke's end. I mean, I'm, and I can't wait to see this on Saturday, this tribute man do it. Right. We'll see how they do, you know, the Genesis show. We'll see how they do it. But um, yeah, and then, of course, uh, for the Peter album, I'll go with Selling England by the Pound as well to Excellent. encapsulate um, everything about the Peter era, Britannia, all the without going deep into Foxtrot or anything or nursery crime. I think Selling England by the Pound with the cinema show and Firth of Fifth as the two kind of heavy tracks there on that album that kind of weigh it down and of course dancing with the moonlit night as well but um those three really kind of encapsulate everything about what is pure and great about early genesis on that record sounds good those are my three martin how about you yeah two of mine have already been picked um (laughs) because my, my favorite genesis album is actually selling england by the pound very good because all the reasons that 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 have already been said basically about that album but I mean, that sort of goes in line with my other choice for for uh, a Phil era, which would be Duke as well. You know, the T-shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> there's, a sim- there's similarities between them because you've got these big, you know, progressive pieces in there, such as you know, on Selling England, like you said. You know, you've got Firth the Fifth and all those tracks on there, and with Duke, you've got the whole Duke suite all the way through, and then in between, you've got these other little bits, and it's a really good sort of like show of the two different eras of, of Genesis in a sense, because, and, and it shows, it's almost like a mirror, almost like a way of showing you what they've been and what they will be. Both albums yep. are like transitions. Yeah. Um, and as, as an aside, Duke, I think Duke works better the way that it is. You know how there's that eternal argument where people say, would it have been better if they'd have had the whole of that Duke thing all the way right. through on the entire one side of an album. I actually think it works nicely as a bookend with you've got the yeah. beginning there and then right. the end. Yeah. And then when you do the end, you've also got the the hints or the little motifs musical through all the other songs that aren't part yeah. of the Duke suite there yeah. as well. So it's like a really nice ending to the album. And um, I'm still hearing when I listen to the, those bits, I've still kind of picked out bits where I'm like, oh, I never re- realized this is a repeat I mean, of that little right. bit there. Yeah. And it's like coming back again. So much I mean, arrangement in that. So the yeah. two or three minutes at the end of Duke's Travels and Duke's End might be three or minutes of the best music <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. That could just set the world on fire. And you all know what I'm talking about. It's oh, just yeah. absolutely electrifying incredible intense music that just is uh, you can't put into words how great it is they knew starting off with they knew starting off with the duke you know duke's intro both in 2007 and in the last tour that's a way to start a show that gets yes that's that's a great both opening and then playing that duke's end bit at the end it's like this works so this is fantastic yeah, and, and my choice from solo career would be Pete's third album, Melt. Excellent. Oh, okay, good, uh, good yeah. choice. Yeah, and we've Hard already mentioned a couple of my favorites on there with you know Intruder and I don't remember. I think yeah, it's a solid album, start to finish, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so many albums that you know. You ask me this question tomorrow, and I could give you three different <laughs> albums. Oh I just, God! Yeah. As soon as I said it, I was like, "Oh, Trick to the Tail would be a great 
replacement if I didn't say Selling yes. England. Right. You know, because again, that's another great intro. I mean, Abitab would be a great intro for the reasons that we did it as our first episode and everything. And so there's there's so many things I could I could name you three Aunt Phillips albums that I think would be, you know, a great intro for people to get into things. Trespass itself would be a great mm-hmm. intro, you know, because it's it it always can show what the potential is for that. I could probably make an argument for from Genesis to Revelation being, you know, yeah. an album. I mean, uh, just maybe about half like of that album. Yeah. Maybe half of it. But I mean, <laughs> Trespass, Stagnation. I mean, come yeah. on. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Looking for Someone is another classic on there. And it's just like, I mean, there's all, all the tracks on there, you know, just work on a level that. I always have to remember these guys were like 19 and 20 when they they did this stuff. And Peter left the band when he was 25, 26 type of thing. I'm like, right. You know, it's like they were so young when they were doing this. It's like, you you kind of get why they were like, why Peter was like, I got to leave. I'm 25 years old. It's like, you know, you're, you're barely an adult at that point. You have to kind of, he, he was full of piss and vinegar. So he was just like, I got to get out of here and do this stuff. Same thing with Steve <laughs> a couple of years later. It's like, you know, they don't see the option of, oh, I could actually talk this out and try to work something out with these people versus just deciding to leave. But that's youth for you. So it is what it is. Yeah. This is almost a stupid question, this. So what sort of research do you do leading up to doing the shows? And do you have a specific structure that you have doing each show? I'll say for research, just like when we're doing an album review, I listen to the album like usually solidly two times doing notes each time. Uh, Just to have something to talk about, just to make sure that there's notes. Sometimes I use the notes per track, sometimes not. Sometimes as we're talking, people say stuff that I've written down. So I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to say that or whatever. Um, And then other times in the conversation, you're just like, ah, that's, it's not relevant to bring that stuff up or it's not the way the conversation was going. Um, I think for interviews, it is a lot more of just trying to come up with good questions to ask people. And so, you know, questions, I think it's good to be prepared so that you don't want to be a slave to the questions, but I think that you have good questions so that then if you, if the person says something interesting when you're interviewing them, you can follow that tangent because you're prepared and you know, you could always jump back to your questions if you need to. But I'm, I'm a big believer in trying to let the conversation go where it goes and have a, a structure in your head for it, but not necessarily if, if the subject wants to talk about something else or isn't interested in your structure you got to figure out what they want to talk about and what they're open to talking about. So, so research wise, uh, you know, we always, especially Simon and now Tom tends to do the reading of the Wikipedia article for the album. If we're talking about an album and I view that as both giving people general knowledge of things, but also like, let's see if Wikipedia got this right. You know, because puts puts it in context, kind of gives it a starting point. And then we usually, as, as most of the episodes are structured where, We'll do an intro. Maybe we'll have a couple minutes of discussion, and then we'll go track by track. We'll, yeah. Mike will usually give the most hysterical joke and intro I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as he segues into the song, right. And the best part is uh, a little into how the sausage is made. Like what Michael say, and we'll start with our first track, "Invisible Touch." 
And then we'll all be quiet for a second and be like, blah, 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 blah. This is where Mike puts in the music. Yeah. And then we'll ask, we'll go around the table and say, all right, who wants to talk first? Like, so yeah. that Mike will know, like, after the song that Biddy plays, someone's going to take the lead who has right. really, you know, enthusiasm about that particular yeah. song. So it's, that's another just a fun little thing where it's like, all right, who wants to talk first? Yeah. They, me, they, me, me. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, like, at the start of all this, uh, here, here's a little bit of how the sausage is made, too. Like, like, I really thought that back when it was the five of us, that we should each like lead an episode that I didn't want to be, quote unquote, the host of the show. And I forget. And I remember at the start of it kind of saying like, oh, Simon, do you want to do this? Tom, do you want to do this? Daisy, Ellie, do you want to do this? And it was always like, oh, no, you can do it. And finally, Tom, uh, uh, Simon just said to me at one point, Mike, you're the host of the show. And I was like, OK. But I didn't want like I didn't advocate for this, but I just thought that there should always be kind of like a captain of the episode. And that's part of the job of saying, like, OK, we who's going to be the first one to talk? You want to keep things going. And my dad was a high school English teacher. Maybe it's in my blood that I can kind of <laughs> get people organized and do this stuff. So so like, I mean, yes, I'm quote unquote the host. Tom is the host of the show, too. Nobody's a co-host. It's just we're all just hosts this point i just i just happen to be the guy who talks first most of the time so and most yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that's that's another unfortunate thing of being a teacher's son i think is that i can go off without uh without a problem well, so. one of the when we talk about research and how we like to listen to the album several times before and take notes so we have you know some talking points a couple a lot of the times you know these are albums that the majority of ones we've talked about we know inside out Yep, you know, yep. start to finish, we've been listening to them for decades. But some of my favorite episodes are ones where it, at least one of us has either never heard the album before or mm -hmm. only once. And yep. the, the times I remember are when we did, and then there were three. Obviously, I think the four of us listened yep. to it, at, you know, since the late 80s when we first got into Genesis. Simon had purchased it, I think, in the late 80s. Sorry, the late 70s or early 80s, listened to it once and then never listened to it again because he always wanted to have a Genesis album that he could go back to and visit at some point. So that was a really interesting episode where when he did his research, he was listening to the album for a second time ever, a third time ever. Yeah. Uh, the other two episodes, uh, when we did The Fugitive and Mike's Acting Very Strange, I'd never heard a note of either of those albums before we <laughs> set those up. So whereas Mike had heard them and I think our guests had been very familiar with them, when I was putting them on, I was taking notes and all my notes were initial first impressions of yeah. hearing these songs for the first time. So it seemed very a unique perspective to someone who would live with this album for decades where I'm like, all right, I'm actually, and how many times do you actually do that? Listen to an album for the very first time and record your initial reactions. Yeah. But I needed to do that for the show. And sorry, another tangent. Those two episodes were some of my favorite because they elicited the most reactions from viewers when we said we're going to do those shows. Yeah. A lot. Of, oh, why would you do that? That's the worst album in Genesis canon. The Fugitive. Have you heard Tony sing? Like it just it, it elicited more. Not vitriol, but like just like Confu probably confusion, confusion. <laughs> but it, it, it got people talking. And it I got people sure. talking. That's, that's yeah. the idea. Yeah, it's acting like the very Howard's, strange was the same way. Yeah, 
it was like Howard Stern. More the haters listened to him more than the, the listeners did. Yeah, they just I, <laughs> Stern, Imus, take your pick. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. But, but and I think like ones. like at some point this year, I would be shocked if we didn't do Geese and the Ghost. And Tom, I know that's now that you've probably heard very little. And uh, ever since we talked about it, I've I've listened to that quite yeah. a bit. I really okay. enjoy oh, that. Good. Album, so. Yeah. Oh, good. And I and I like it. I just haven't <laughs> thumbs up for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I like it, but I know that when I listen to it again for the podcast, it's going to be like, oh yeah, I know this, but I really need to listen to this so I can talk and. Hopefully intelligently about it. And, you know, that's that's something with those type of albums. Like again, you know, okay, I have to talk about Invisible Touch. Yeah, I'll listen to it once or twice, but I I know this album with any yeah, of the main yeah. Genesis you, albums. You yeah, you especially that album you grew up yeah, with it. But you're, exactly. you know, so you know yeah. it. It's like it's like the alphabet. You can recite it. Yeah, exactly. And so, but with even with you know, but seriously, which is the next Phil album we're going to do, like I I know that album, but I haven't listened to that album from start to finish in 10 to 15 years, probably. So wow. I've certainly probably heard all the individual tracks, but have I sat? Well, I'll say in the last 10 years, I probably have, whenever the reissue came out, I probably listened to it start to finish, but that's kind of it. And so, you know, even looking at the titles of this, of this album, I'm like, oh yeah, that's, I kind of know what that song is. I think I know that song, but other ones I'm just like, father to son i couldn't tell you what that sounds like right now so so listening to that is not going to be a new experience but it's going to be a a fresh experience which will be kind of nice anyway and andy's got to leave us now because he's, uh, yes. he's got something Aww. to go to yeah i do it's an early start for me in the morning gentlemen Understood. i just appreciate <laughs> but i i um i'm gonna go but i hope that uh you stay on with martin and um you know, it's been a blast talking to you. Yeah. I would love. I mean, hey, three Jersey guys, we could. I yeah. can do this again with you anytime you want. Definitely, sure. Yeah, and I have to say, yeah. I'll go ahead. I say we'd love to meet up at a show. Yeah, uh, sure. Lots of stuff coming up. I know Steve's touring again this year, doing the yep. lamb highlights. So there'd be we'll great to meet stuff up on those. Yeah, I yeah. don't think that those dates have been posted for state shows yet for Steve. Not yet. for up Not here. Yet, no. Yeah. I'm sure Not they will yet. be coming soon. It's probably in the fall, I would bet. I think, so. yeah, lamb highlights, but um, absolutely. I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll reach out and, and uh, make contact. And uh, yeah, I'd love to meet up with you guys in person one of these shows. Yeah. And I just have to tell you, one of my favorite McCartney tracks, Solo, yes. Junior's Farm. There you go. 50 fall. years old, 50 years old this year. Ah, I'll, t- I'll tell you, that's one of those songs I heard as a kid, loved. And then I think when I saw him at Yankee Stadium 2015 or so, it was the third track he played and I almost cried during it. And it was <laughs> just like, it was one of those things. I'm like, why am I getting emotional over junior's <laughs> farm? And I'm like, it's just one of those songs that's so happy. And I'm just like, Oh, it just kills me every time I hear it. So yeah. End of the world's lyrics. Well, they don't make any sense. You know, no, they house, don't, but it's, it's just the, the parliament and the whole thing. Yeah, but it's just <laughs> the, the chorus is just so up and it's just, you know, so that's, that's my little McCartney story. So that's, uh, oh. that's, uh, that's that. So awesome. Well, uh, Mike and Tom, it was uh, a blast yeah. to meet with you virtually and um, geek out about Genesis. I have been Definitely. following your podcast, not since the beginning, but I want to say at least since 2017 ish. So appreciate that. Um, yeah. Thank you. We're happy to have any listeners at all. So again, keep, keep listening and keep giving it, keep giving us feedback and, you know, let us know what you think. Oh, we'll do. And then uh, Martin, we'll talk to you next time. And uh, thanks for the invite. 
tell everybody about Two Legs very quickly then, Andy? Oh, oh yeah. Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, is a weekly Paul McCartney podcast. Weekly. Wow. Weekly. <laughs> My weekly God. Paul, just solo. And we just do, for the most part, solo Paul. We dabble a little bit into Beatles, but mostly it's all solo Paul. Um, that I do with my co-host Tom Hunyadi. We're on YouTube and traditional podcast audio-only outlets. And uh, we had our most recent show that went posted this past week where we talked about our um, predictions for 2024 in terms of releases, tours, albums, and um, we're doing quite well. We're at almost 2,000 subs on YouTube, cool. and the audio the audio platform does is, does very well as well as you gentlemen know. This is what this is what you just do audio. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's different fans for each. So um, yeah, we're happy. We just if there's news, breaking news with Paul. Um, we try to go live and talk about it, but, uh, right. it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. We'll be both, we'll both be at Beatle Fest, um, yeah. in a few weeks time, which is the 60th anniversary of the Beatles arriving in America, obviously right. 64 mm-hmm. now 2024 and 50 yeah. years of, uh, the Beatle Fest. So there'll be a lot of activity and Tom, my co-host and I will be at a lot of these events and we'll tell everybody about them in there. And if you are channeling your inner, Beetle Geekdom, <laughs> check us out on YouTube and give us a like. But thank Very you. Very cool. That's cool. For anyone listening that will or watching, that will probably have been around five or six weeks before this episode goes out because I've got five, oh, okay. six episodes in the can. Very okay, good. so this will be out by then. But yeah, but all good. But thank you. But Martin, thank you for the invite. And uh, Mike and Tom, it was a blast talking Genesis with you. Same you here. Too. See Thanks, you soon. Andy. Take care. Bye-bye. And then there were three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's always a Genesis reference. There's always a Genesis <laughs> reference. So Tom has about 10 or 15 minutes left at this point. Yeah. yeah so we're not at Duke's end yet. Not yet. So. Hey, this is Brian with Concerts That Made Us podcast. And you're listening to Pods Like Us, a great show about other great shows. Hi. I'm Bob Jeffy from the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. You're listening to Pods Like Us. By the way, do you know where whales and dolphins get their news? From podcasts. Bye for now. I was very quickly going to say that, so I hinted at it earlier on, when you were talking about, hello, I must be going. When you did that on the episode, because I have this, I think it's a great habit, that when you when you go in to listen to one of your episodes that's about an album or about something that, you, that they've done, I think it's a good idea to listen first and then listen to your show afterwards. In, in that's, that's something that I always do with these sort of shows and with yours particularly. It's the first show I started doing that with where I'd listen to the album and then listen to the show about it. And Hello, I Must Be Going was one of those where it's an album that I'd sort of not listened to very much over the years. And then suddenly when your episode was coming up, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to have a listen to this. And I was really surprised by the album because it's one that I'd sort of like steered away from in a sense, because I'd always had this idea of the the, the album before and the album after being the albums and this one being the one in between. Right. Oh, because he's got, oh, he's got, you can't already love there and he's got this there and he's got that there. <laughs> and it's, like, it's sort of like the in-between, the leftovers and that. But right. it's a really good album. Yeah, it's it's on that episode. I've said that it's it's my perfect balance of pop fill and weird fill. Yeah. And and that's what I love about it. And I think every song on there is great. And as Tom said before, you know, with Don't Let Him Steal Your Heart Away, it's like there are these songs that you can listen to and it 
at different ages, it will hit you differently. And so maybe with you revisiting it kind of as, as we did too, it might've been years since you heard it, but it hit you now differently than it did, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago or however long it might've been. And so I think that's, that's a great thing. And I know that other people, I've heard some other people say the same thing where it's like, oh, when I know that it's going to be an album, even if I, even if it's out, I know I'll listen to it again because I want to be fresh on it. And I think that's a great way to go into it. And and some of the nicest comments that we've gotten are listeners who say, you know, I listened to the episode. It made me go back and listen to the album a little bit differently. And you, you touched on some things that I didn't notice before. And that's what we do with each other during the episode. We'll talk about things that we might not have heard before. And someone else is hearing that same new thing. Who's listening to the show and they'll go back and listen to it, whether it's just a musical part that never really caught our attention before or a misheard lyric that one of us has gotten wrong for the last 30 years and, <laughs> yeah. and, and are created and are corrected by the rest of the tabletop <laughs> live on podcasts, live on podcasts. And now we know it's not bundles of fibers. <laughs> yes. Or Heath A's. <laughs> it's Heath A's. Sorry. Right. I'll, I'll go to the grave on that one. <laughs> but there's, but it's great because, and, and Stacy was, was queen of doing this where, Sometimes, you know, when you're getting set up beforehand, you start chatting about, oh, yeah, this was a good track. This was something else. And Stacey would always be like, save it for the podcast. Don't talk anything about the, the <laughs> album before we Zip it. before we hit that record button. And that's still kind of a, a, a joke, but a serious thing we do where, you know, Tom and I are chatting about things. And with these Gabriel kind of mini episodes we did over the past year. I didn't know what Tom thought about it until we started talking about it on on air, as it were, because I think that's what keeps it interesting for the two of us where, you know, sometimes there might have been things where I, oh, I thought Tom would have liked this one or I thought Tom wouldn't have liked this one, but he he did or didn't. And same thing with him for me, I would think. Sorry, I, I just got interrupted because somebody's brought me a drinking. Thank you. Oh, no, that's all good. <laughs> how, how do wait, I get waitress, back? waitress. Yeah, I was going to say, good table that, service here. Was that Tony Banks bringing <laughs> drinks? He's driving people around. He's bringing yeah, he's drinks. He's doing to everything. People. It's a, it's Uber Eats, I think, now, too. So, <laughs> so but, uh, uh, yeah. And I mean, so, something that, um, so going back to something that Andy was saying as well about when we both had the same experience, we were looking for a Genesis podcast. Mm. And you, you were the only show that we'd found that I'd found as well at that point. But also mm-hmm. the logo as well oh. is, is a great <laughs> in because it's the perfect logo for a Genesis podcast. That is that all, is all Simon. All Simon. Yep. Simon was, I think that he did the very initial one, which was kind of a collage of some of the album covers with the same kind of Duke font saying tabletop Genesis. And then redid it by taking a picture of a bunch of the CDs on the, on the table, you know, and yeah. with the microphones there and why bother? Why, why mess with perfection at this point? I think that's going to be our logo until we stop doing this at, you know, whenever we're retired. So, and, and, and a l- little bit of trivia, like if you, it, probably the biggest version of that is on the website, tabletopgenesis.com. Mm. If you zoom in, you can see Simon's reflection in the microphone taking yes. the picture. Wow. <laughs> yes. So, and that's, and so, because Simon was, you know, again, 
was the person who came up with the idea of doing a podcast was when he was involved, he did all the recording and editing and kind of layering the music in there. And I have tried to mimic his style as much as possible with the structure of the episodes and the editing that he would do and everything. So it's, um, it's been fun. It's, it's been, it's been a fun ride and I hope and that it keeps going for a while. And that's kind of how it's set up. Like Mike and I record, whether it's with a guest Obviously, we'll take pauses when we introing a song if we're going track by track. Uh, there, are f- once we're done, Mike takes it. Uh, he adds our normal heads and tails, the outros, the intros, adds song bits. Uh, sometimes, you know, we try to like to have little bits of music if we're happening to referencing something. Like, oh, I really love Daryl's guitar solo, and Mike will have that underneath as we're talking about it. He'll finish the episode. He'll send me a copy of it. I'll do a listen for it and make sure it's okay and no dropouts or everything sounds good. Then he gives me the final file. I do my magic on my end to get it up on iTunes and out to all the channels. And he does the Twitter promotion. I do the Facebook promotion. And that's kind of that. Yeah. And and if it's a two, I always say with a if it's a two-hour episode it takes between four to six hours to edit it and pull all the music together and everything. Uh, And I think as I've done it more, I've kind of come up with a workflow that makes it more on that four hour end of things than the six hour end of things, because by the time I'm done with it, I I will probably, I don't want to say I would never listen to it again, but it was, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes people, because they're discovering these episodes, you know, sometimes years after we've recorded them, somebody will come around and say, oh, on your Duke episode, you said X. And what do you think about that? And I'm just like, I have no idea what I said in the Duke episode. You know, <laughs> I know what I think now about that track, but is it the same as what I thought seven years ago when we recorded that? Maybe, but maybe not. So, you know, sometimes it's, Sometimes we're called upon to defend our opinion from a long time ago. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe it's like, maybe I'll agree with that. Maybe not at this stage. So, but that's the fun of it. Like our episodes were kind of intentionally, but also unintentionally designed to be timeless because we're not talking about generally, we're not talking about the modern releases, except with things like IO or the new Steve Hatton album coming out, but we're talking about, like we're talking about nursery crime, you can listen to that at any point. It's not like nursery crime's gonna change between now and then. So, you know, it gives it gives it a bit more more freedom to talk about what we want to talk about with it. Hey, it's Gil from the Today's Mind Culture and Social Podcast. And you're listening to Pods like us. us. This is Arthur Dude from Slam City, the world's first Quantumino-powered podcast, and you're listening to Pods Like Us. Crikey, I'm going to have to talk really quickly if I've got to fit all this in in three minutes because <laughs> we've still we've still got two questions from listeners as well. Uh, I, I think uh, I can. I think I can hold out a little bit longer. All right. Okay. Let's get those listener so, questions so in should, to hear so what they should say. Should we do those quick questions? Yeah, let's do those. Answer. Sure. Yeah, I'm here. So the the, the author Owen Ling. He said, uh, a question for you two guys is, do you think it was a mistake to call time on Ray Wilson uh, Hmm. after only one album? Or do you think that Genesis would have done more damage to the brand brand if they'd have tried to have made a second album with him? 
That's not I know really a lot a quick of people. Question, is it? <laughs> it is. I yes. know a lot of people say that he was kind of given the short shrift of it, and that you know they kind of wasn't told that it was the end. Like all of a sudden, he wasn't called back. They're not doing a second album. I think he was really hoping that the momentum from the first album, if there was any, would continue into a second album and at least give it a chance. And I don't know. I think a second album would have been fine, but it just seemed like it would, they were going uphill at that point. And I, I don't think Mike or Tony, I think more Mike, didn't really have the energy to give it what it needed to get going. After having brought Genesis to the top of the mountain, Like I think they saw it as a gargantuan task to do this, and I just don't think Mike was, was up for it. So I don't know. Maybe it would have been just lack of, of energy if Mike was just going through the motions to try to give it a sophomore effort. But I think it, it is what it is. I do feel bad for Ray in a lot of ways. It's kind of like an asterisk in the Genesis history, but we'll never know. That's like the alternate history that yeah. we sometimes talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the alternate universe where they did a second album or even a third album at that point. And, and I, I like calling all stations. So I'll, I'll yeah. give it that, that plug. And I, I see Mike's perspective where I think on one of the reissue interviews, he basically said, if this was going to work, we had to do like album tour, album tour, album tour, and kind of get back into that almost 1970s rhythm of things. And at the time, as funny to say, as a 50 some year old guy, he was just like, I don't want to do that. And when, when you've already been successful, do you want to try to be successful again? Yeah. And and kind of either run the risk of not being successful or you're just kind of fighting to get back to where you were again. And it's kind of like if you decide that either for the money, for the ego, for whatever, you don't need to do it, then, you know, probably better not to do it. Like, like I know that like Tony Banks has said, like, you know, the the um, that initially he wasn't quite sure of it. But Mike was really gung-ho when they started calling all stations. And then by the end of it, it was almost reversed where Tony was more gung-ho to continue. Yeah. But Mike was kind of like, yeah, this is going to take more effort than than he wanted to do. And yeah, so I think that it's, I see the, I see Mike's perspective on that because I think even if Phil had not left, if that 1996-97 Genesis album had been with Phil instead of with, yeah. with, uh, with Ray Wilson, it would have done certainly would have done better than it did, but even Phil was not selling the way he had been selling in the past. And I don't think Genesis would have been selling the way that they sold for, you know, we can't dance and for invisible touch and everything. So it would have been, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have canceled a U.S. tour. I'm sure of that, but they wouldn't have kind of been at that level of where they had been at. And I think they would have been okay with that, but I think that's more the interesting alternate history of what if Phil hadn't left yeah. after calling after uh, we can't dance. Yeah, because there's some so really good musical ideas there for yeah. for for them, the are. three of them to have worked like, together on. Like I could see the gaps becoming longer, like like kind of like they do a, a calling all stations in that mid to late nineties. And then that they don't do anything else until, you know, mid early to mid 2000s or whatever, or even 2007 again, because it's like, you know, they 
I think at that point, it was the thing where the album sales were becoming less and less in general for all of them. So it was like, well, are we done? Why put out albums? We don't have to that. I, I think that Peter Gabriel is the, the example saying you can be an older artist and still put out good material. I kind of wish the Genesis took that lesson and had done something in 2007, 2008, or even, you know, in putting out albums without, or putting out individual tracks, just saying, Hey, we got into the studio and recorded three songs. Here you go. You know, it's not like they have Peter Gabriel nor Genesis has to prove anything nowadays. Well, Stephen, uh, Stephen Nicholson, who does the show trimming the musical fat, he he said because he's doing a bit of self promotion here as well. <laughs> That's all around, good. <laughs> around the time that this episode will be going out, they will be releasing an episode about we can't dance, and so this tells his opinion really, in a sense. So he said, <laughs> do, "Do you guys?" He says, "Do you guys agree that we can't dance?" The album is a bit long. <laughs> and, oh, yes, and they, because they're doing the episode, and that's so they're getting your opinion on that as they they've got an episode coming out as well. Yeah, what we had talked about when we recorded this episode was uh, the tendency in the late '80s, early '90s uh, for CD bloat, where because now you had 70 minutes of music that you could put on a record, you didn't cut things that wouldn't have made a 45, 50 minute LP. So you had 12 songs on that album, which I think could have easily been a more solid eight or nine songs. I mean, there's like three off the bat that I could say could easily have been B-size, and that would have been a much stronger album. I love the album because it was the first album I got that was new after I became a Genesis fan. So I have a lot of you know sentiment towards it. But yeah, it, three or four songs could have easily been cut. And it's like, it's not like, oh, which one? It's like, no, that one, that one, and that one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I agree. I think it could have been cut down. We might be thinking of two or three different songs, but probably at least one or two of the same. I I think that, yeah, it's a little bit too long. They had a lot of good, tra- they had a lot of good tracks, not as many great tracks as that album should have had. And I think if you cut out a Since I Lost You, if you cut out Way of the World and maybe never, one other one, which never one never a time. Ta- yeah, never, never a time. time. Never a time just doesn't do anything. So yeah, I think those three, is that what you were thinking of, Tom? Or what were you what were your three? I think those were at the start the three. Maybe yeah. there's a fourth one, but I couldn't think of one off the top of the head that I would normally that I would pick. Yeah. Yeah, there's one or two yeah. other ones that might be on the chopping block. I know people love on the shoreline too. So it's like, oh, let's take out one and put that one back in. That's the, you know, you start arguing that. But I I agree with the letter writer that it is a long album that doesn't need to be as long as it is. The double LP. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. Which no, I mean, great. like literally, yeah. like if you bought it, it's, it was two LPs. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think the running order was actually different on the two LPs hmm. than on the cd yeah okay. if i but remember that would, right, that, would, that, would, that would mean doing research for the show and you know we never do yeah, research who knows? yeah that, <laughs> if i remember right simon said basically ditch the whole album except for fading lights <laughs> you know that he said make it an ep or one track ep which i would certainly not go that far but i also get where he's coming from with that comment so I I yeah. i disagree but i see where he's what are you where are you saying it so absolutely <laughs> 
What about you, Martin? What do you, do you think that that is a bloated <laughs> album or what do you think about that? Well, I, I actually agree with the three songs that you said uh, okay. to remove, to make it a, a nice, neater album. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, but there are some, I mean, I was going to say, they recorded enough material there that they could have made an entire other disc with all the other yeah. stuff that they that yeah. recorded. Yeah. So, yeah. Or if got- they did like an EP like they did with the Paper Late stuff, the Paper Late, you might recall, and uh, me and Virgil, you didn't have that little bonus album. That could be a nice little, you know, thing, like or a Spot <laughs> the Pigeon type of thing. So. I've and, got and that I, on EP. I've got that EP on vinyl down there. There you go. I have it around here somewhere <laughs> too. The um, or if it's not Way of the World, there's the other track, the um, the one with kind of this twelve stringy sound to it. Um, um, God, I'm forgetting what it's called. It's it's now I'm blanking on it. But but there's that track that I'm thinking with a Rickenbacker twelve string sound to it. That's a bit more upbeat. Uh, da, 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 and it's a Mike Rutherford lyric. And it's probably about halfway to three quarters of the way through it. Way of the World is a little bit weird. So I do like that one, but it could be taken off too. It's not to bother me that I'm not remembering. Tell me why. Tell me why it could be cut out too. Yeah, so, that, I would agree with that as well. Yeah, maybe even more than Way of the World, but yeah. So that could be number four, even if, if it goes on the EP. So, but, but yeah, I, that's a good question from the listener there, because I think that that's, I'll be curious to hear if, it sounds kind of what you said, Martin, that they agree with that also, that it could be cut down, but what tracks can get cut can always be up in the air. Trying to think of another B-side that I absolutely love from that era as well. I can't remember what it was that I think would have been good as an album track. Was it the really upbeat one, or do you remember kind of what it sounded like? Or was it feeding the fire from yes. Invisible Touch? Oh, they, that's Ooh, Invisible Touch. Yeah, that's Invisible Touch. Feeding the fire is that it? is a fan- but a great that, track. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was one actually from Invis- from the from the We Can't Dance era, but I can't remember. Let's see if my if my memory is is good with this. I think there was she was on the shoreline. There was on the shoreline, and I'd rather be you. Or was the no, I think that was. That was the Urkel sounding one. The uh, I think that was dun, 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 Invisible dun, dun. Touch. That's Invisible Touch era. God, I got all my CDs here. I could just look at it, roll over and check these things out. But <laughs> again, that would involve, you know, movement. Would, so, yeah. but, um, but no, I think that there's, there's, there's always entertainment that can happen with these things and kind of coming up with the alternate histories is fun. So. Okay, so what advice would you give to people if they were starting a podcast of their own? I would say, I think it's important to do it with, to know what you want to do, but be open to what the changes might be as you figure out what you're actually doing. And also do it, like I think, like I like your thing of doing this solo podcast, but bringing people into it. And I always thought that if you're going to have a group of people, a trio is a good dynamic to have, you know, talk with. I mentioned a little bit before that I think a trio is good. You can get up to five people and have a good dynamic. Any more than that, you just you start not knowing who's talking and everything. Um, Trios, duos can work, but I think you have to either keep it short the way Tom and I did with the um, uh, Peter Gabriel shows this past year. Um, or bring in a third person to chat every once in a while to keep the dynamic fresh. So that's my thing. And, and, you know, 
hopefully do it with people you enjoy talking with and that you both <laughs> agree with on a lot, but that you definitely aren't going to agree about everything because it's no fun to just agree about everything. Yeah. Oh, my, my first bit of advice is hearts on fire on fire there we go <laughs> that was that was the b that was the other yes. b side from right uh, yeah i, I cheat i cheated i looked looked up that fair but enough. I, I say just kind of i think we lucked into it because we enjoyed doing what we're doing with before the, even the idea of the podcast came about it was almost like sticking a mic into a room where people are having fun and yeah. what nothing was forced nothing was oh I, I don't know the subject but i want to do a podcast about it so i better learn everything about it like we all knew the subject very well we had fun talking about it i think people understood that we weren't taking ourselves too seriously we would make mistakes we would correct each other we would laugh it was just like a, a fun camaraderie that people wish they could be in the room with us and i think that was the, the staying power that it's had is that we've always tried to have fun not force anything and you know if it gets to a point where you know, we're not enjoying it anymore. Obviously yeah. we'll do something else, but for now we're, we're having fun doing it. And hopefully that comes across. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, like always the people that we've brought on as guests to kind of be commentating with us. I think they're people who have that same vibe and it's yeah. again, people that we don't necessarily always agree with, or they agree with us or anything like that, but it's, it's people who can have fun in talking about it and enjoy it and have their own perspective on it. And I think that's where, you know, you get the, the, dy the dynamics that are interesting. And, you know, there are people that I'm, I'm friends with who I, th I've thought like, Oh, would this person work on the podcast? I'm like, oh, I actually don't know if they'd be a great podcast person, not any. And I'd love to chat it with these people, but I'm like, I don't know if they, if it would be, if the dynamic would be there. And maybe that's more on me that I'm can't see the potential for things. But, you know, I think that's, Mark, I don't know if you get this too, but there's, and I actually just did this with the Star Wars podcast I listened to, where I'm like, I'd really like to be on your podcast. I'd love to talk about this stuff. <laughs> and I even said, I do my own podcast. And I know this is the most annoying email to get is please let me be on your podcast so I can talk at you about things. And, and it's like, <laughs> but I get why people do that because they hear us talking about stuff. And it's like, I want to be part of that conversation. Like I, I get that. And you know, maybe we should run a contest to let people be on the podcast with us and see what it's like. But, you know, I think it's it's partially. But I also with us whittling down to two, I also kind of get like like with again, I'll bring it back to Genesis. Why Tony and Mike are kind of like, oh, this two person thing, this can work because there's less there's less there's less options to kind of go in and everything where it's it makes it easier to manage two people versus five. The yeah. five were great. That was a lot of fun. And, and if we found the right other three people, I'd be totally open to doing that again, but would it be a five person equal thing? Or would it be Tom and I being in charge and three people kind of being not hired hands, but because we have no money for this, but it's like, <laughs> but it, would it be, would it would would it be kind of junior and senior level members and everything not that that's a problem but would it be a problem i don't know so so two people seems to work fine is what i'm thinking and then having guests rotating in and out works 
works pretty well. So, and have the main thing to get back to the question, have fun with it. Enjoy, enjoy what you're doing because yes, some people make money with podcasts, but the great majority of people I bet don't. No. And so, you know, you're not doing this to make, to make money or fame. So you have to enjoy what you're talking about. And you have to enjoy the people that you do it with. So. And Tom and I are friends. This is one of those yes. things where it's like <laughs> we actually enjoy each other's company and it's fun to get together and talk about this stuff. And it's also fun to just get together and be like, ah, oh, let's meet for drinks in the, in the city. We both work in New York City. So and not that we're going to the office much, but we meet up when we can and everything. And that's a good time. So we're going to see uh, Total Mass Retain in April. That's right. A, a yes cover band, tribute band nice. uh, in mid April in New York City. I almost, I still have to pay you the, for that, Tom, I think. So um, <laughs> I will, I would get you that money. So call off your attack dogs. <laughs> but um, my, my ex band bandmates still owe me for concerts that I've paid for them to go to. Oh, oh wow we got it if you need us to kind of put some pressure on them let us if know need, if you so, need some muscle yeah, i'll send in the heavies exactly so what other questions are there anything we so, can uh answer so, for anyone so um or for you it's like that's well okay i've got another one from Stephen, Steve, I, I Steve the, H from Steve, London. Steve H. <laughs> Steve Hogarth from London. Yeah. Says, if only. Mm. I should have contacted him actually. There you go. Yeah, another one that Stephen from um, Trimming the Musical Fat came out with. Well, I think we, I think each of us have probably answered, or we've answered this anyway, which is which 70s Genesis album would they recommend for someone listening to the band for the first time? Mm. I would go with Selling England for the pound. Yeah. Selling England or Trick, yeah. Yep. Selling England Trick. Trick, trick yeah. is a beautiful album. Trick. Yeah. Yeah. And Trick is probably a little bit more accessible than Selling England, but they're also, I think of those two albums as very bookends to each other anyway, with The Lamb in the Middle being almost from a different band in a different universe. Like Genesis never did anything that quite sounded like that before or after that album. And so, you know, it's very unique in their thing so yeah selling england and trick would be good recommendations there so we were speaking about podcast advice what podcast do you listen to that you think have got it right hmm. i hate to admit it but i don't really listen to that many podcasts <laughs> i know mike listens to more than than i do yeah uh i tried listening to the one that uh the guys from arrested development Put out Jason. Um, oh right, J Smartless. Jason Bateman yeah. and um, yeah, Smartless. Yes, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, I just have to revisit it a little bit. But Mike's Mike's got the ones. Mike has a whole list. Yeah. The Star Wars I, one. There's yeah. Another there's one I have a couple Star Wars ones I listen to. There's uh, Judge John Hodgman, which is kind of a comedy ish podcast. Um, what else? There's I I still listen to Mark Marin's kind of WTF if if I like who the subject is and I usually listen to his intros. And if the person is somebody either that I have no interest in or, or not much interest in, I'll sometimes skip the interview. Um, Conan O'Brien's podcast is a lot of fun. Um, these two guys do a podcast about horror movies uh, called with Gorley and rust. It's Matt Gorley and Paul rust. Um, and there's Blank Chet, which is another movie podcast where they go through director filmographies. And that's like, that's one where they 
do movies that I haven't seen. I always watch the movie before the podcast. So I made sure that I kind of get what they're talking about. So as you were talking about listening to an album before the podcast, it's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of broadened out. It's, it's gotten me to see a lot of movies that have always been on my, oh yeah, I should probably watch that type of list. Or I don't know this director. Let me watch some of these. And sometimes they're good. And sometimes they're not as good as I would hope that they would be. And you move on from there. So now when, uh, Pods like us. Pods like us. Pods like us. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's what thumbs up. Big What's thumbs up. About? Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I the don't. This is a bit of a wanker, but other than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't listen to other music podcasts for the most part. Really? I'm not that your podcast is a music podcast, but it's just not like I'm almost in that mode right now where if I, if I'm going to choose to listen to another podcast, I'm going to knock something off the list because life's too short to have 85 billion podcasts to listen to either. So I kind of want to, you know, keep it kind of semi-selective with things. So, um, but I'm, because I'm also very much a completist where I kind of, if I'm going to listen to a podcast, I want to listen to the whole thing. So I get what the in jokes are and stuff like that. If there's anything like that, and that can be for some long running podcasts that can be hard to do. But so sometimes I don't always follow that rule, but it is what it is. So, yeah, I think that there's, find what you like out there and if but if there's nothing that's really floating your boat you don't have to force yourself into it either so or start your own start yeah, your own start your own exactly that. yeah <laughs> that too so well that's like some some people would say to us it's more early on than than now but sometimes we would get certain fans saying oh you you guys are all 80s fans you weren't around in the 70s to talk about what those shows were like or what that was like and my response was always start your own show Yep. It's like, we can't, we weren't there. We can't <laughs> talk about that. We can talk about being fans of those albums, but I didn't see the trick of the tail tour. I didn't see the selling England tour, but yeah, go, more power to you. It's like, we were always, and still are very much like, if you start up a Genesis podcast, I'll tweet out about it because, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's not competition. It's all just within yeah. the same family. So yeah. And if people listen to us for one reason, listen to another podcast for they get something else from it. Great. So we're, we're not, you can't be all things to all people. You have to be, you know, I'm very much a believer that if you're specific about what you're like, this is, this is a bit counterintuitive, but the specific is general. Yeah. And so it's like, some people are like, well, I, I'm trying to appeal to everybody. So I have to be very general. And I, and I do think it's more true that it's, if you are very specific in what you do, people will appreciate that more because it's you're being in you're being yourself more. Whether you're an artist, whether you're a podcast, whether you're an author, or whatever it might be. So that's my philosophy. Absolutely, <laughs> feels very spinal tapian to end that way, but that's my that's my philosophy, Brian. So, as long as the drummer doesn't suddenly explode, <laughs> exactly. Anyway, where can people find you and get a hold of you then, guys? Uh, anywhere, as I like to say, you get your podcast kicks. So <laughs> iTunes, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Cast, or, podcast, or whatever it's called. Yeah. iHeartRadio. I uh, you can also go to tabletopgenesis.com. The episodes are there as well. And that's where we'll do polls. My poll is often seen there. Uh, we as, don't you know, show we like you his poll. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and then Facebook, 
I was just search for tabletop Genesis and yep. Twitter were a different handle, we're, right? We're, we're Genesis tabletop on there. And I've started a blue sky account too, because again, who knows what the future of Twitter is, but I still haven't posted much on blue sky. I need to start getting better at that and everything. <laughs> so, um, but blue sky is a cool alternative to tr Twitter if you're not out there. And actually, if, if you're looking for a, a blue sky account, I have some invite codes still around. So feel free to hit me up for that. So. Um, but yeah, this is, it's those, those are the places to find us, you know, Google tabletop Genesis and, and we'll show up, you know, we'll, we'll come on your podcast and chat. So that's, uh, <laughs> and give it a, and give it a listen. If it's for you. Great. And if you decide, Oh, who are these wankers talking about this stuff? You don't have to listen either. <laughs> so, you know, we're, I'm very happy to have people listen and get, feel like they're part of the club and kind of feel like that there's a connection there. So I always appreciate hearing people that they get something out of it. Anyway, thanks for speaking with me today, guys. Yeah, and thanks oh. for thanks for inviting us on. Thank you, Marn. Yeah, I, I often see you know every every time that you might have tagged us. In yeah, tweets along the way. It always gives me little warms the cockles of my heart, and I yeah. love warm cockles. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. thank you. And Same here. you've been a big much, supporter of of yes. this podcast, and so much, much appreciated. Yes. yes, of our podcast, I should say. Yeah. Yes. So absolutely, cool. I love the show. Absolutely. Anyway, thank you can. You. You can find pods like us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, TikTok, and there is a Facebook page as well. Just look for pods like us, easiest way to do it. And you can contact us through podslikeus at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. <laughs>